0: This week on Geek Explained, part two of our Dare discussion with special guest Matt Draper dives into some of the most iconic Daredevil stories of all time. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is part two of the Dare Sember tie in discussion with special guest Matt Draper. Last week, we talked about three each of our favorite Daredevil comics of all time this week we're rounding out our top 5 list with our final 2 picks as well as some honorable mentions that didn't quite make the cut but are still iconic in their own right Uh, getting to talk with Matt about Daredevil is always an amazing amazing conversation and I can't wait to share part 2 of the discussion with you in this episode we also have our latest weekly review on the newest episode of The Man DeLorean, one of probably my favorite episodes of the entire show. Can't wait to talk about that with you guys. And of course, this week's Comics Countdown. But before we get into all of that, let's check in with this week's news. <music> All right, guys and dolls. Let's talk some news. We have our four categories: film, TV, comics, and miscellaneous. No miscellaneous news this week, so we're gonna kick things off with film news. Um, there's only two pieces of film news, but they are huge. There's a lot of big news this week. There's not a lot of like news, like when you talk about like numbers. The quantity is not a lot but the quality of the news is uh pretty substantial i think uh we're gonna kick things off with i think the biggest news of the week which is that warner brothers has announced that they are swinging for the fences in 2021 and wonder woman 1984 is the first of a wave that they are kicking off by releasing films both in theaters and on hbo max simultaneously uh we've talked about before how uh, wonder woman 1984 will be releasing in theaters as well as on hbo max to subscribers On uh, December 25th, on Christmas, simultaneously. And so it looks like that's not the only film from Warner Brothers that will be doing this. They announced this past week that their entire slate of films for 2021 is going to be doing the exact same thing. We're talking things like Matrix 4. We're talking things like Space Jam 2, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, The Suicide Squad. Like, these are not like little independent films. These are heavy hitters their entire slate for 2021 is going to be hitting hbo max at the same time that it drops in theaters and this is huge this is gonna this is going to be a big i think a big paradigm shift for how movies and films are consumed and there's been you know all kinds of different opinions on it whether this is a good thing whether this is a bad thing and i i kind of fall somewhere in the middle um i think it sucks for movie theaters that are already struggling now having to compete with hbo max but at the same time you know i think i echo a lot of opinions that i've uh heard in kind of the circles that i run with in that the people who now go to the theaters once it is safe to do so will be the people who really want that theater experience um i and i'm sure Everyone has a story of terrible theater experiences because you're trying to watch a movie that you really want to enjoy, but there are people within that movie theater just ruining it for you. I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. Everyone has a story like that, so hopefully this means that people will be able to view these films safely in their homes, and for the people who can and want to view them in a theater, that experience will be a bit more... um, I guess, a bit more, I don't want to say sacred, but like, you know, it'll be more of an experience. People will hopefully enjoy it a bit more. So I think this is really interesting. Uh, time will tell whether this is a positive or a negative uh, decision, but 2021 is shaping up to be a big year for a lot of uh, a lot of media, whether it's at home, or in a theater. Uh, Speaking of big swings, uh, we finally know who will be portraying Solid Snake in Sony's Metal Gear Solid film adaptation, and it's ya boy, Oscar Isaac. I am over the moon about this. I think this is a wonderful casting uh it makes me more excited about this than i have been at any point in this whole process and oscar isaac is an incredible incredible actor and now he is going to be uh all over the place, really. Just doing all kinds of things. We already talked about recently how he's been tapped to play Moon Knight. He's uh, he's in Dune, if I remember that correctly. He has the potential to be in Spider Verse Two as uh, Ma- as uh, Miguel O'Hara, Spider Man twenty ninety nine. So Oscar Isaac is uh, is doing pretty well for himself. So I'm I'm excited about that. Hopping over to TV news. Speaking of Disney Plus, uh, Hawkeye which is now currently filming in New York, uh, has got some casting news. So let's pull this up here. I'm reading off of the uh, press release on uh, Variety. So it looks like... Let's see here. Let's start at the bottom here. Um, da, 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 da. It looks like... Let's see. Um, Zahn it has been uh, cast as... Uh, William Lopez, uh, probably a take on uh, Willie Crazy Horse Lincoln from the comics, who is uh, also the father of maya lopez in the comics uh maya lopez if you don't know she is a deaf native american uh vigilante who also goes by the name echo so she's been all over marvel comics at one point she was ronin uh she's been all over the place um and she will be portrayed by alakwa cox She's uh fairly new fairly and unknown from what i understand um that's pretty exciting another exciting thing is that uh looks like tony dalton make sure i want to make sure i get that name right yeah so tony dalton is going to play jack duquesne if you find that name sort of familiar it's the swordsman the swordsman is going to be showing up here so that's really exciting uh, we also have uh fra free or fra fee I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, and if I'm not, I apologize. But he is going to be playing Kazi. Uh, If you know anything about the uh, Hawkeye uh, Fraction, the uh, Fraction Aja run of Hawkeye, uh, you know that Kazi is a very formidable opponent for Hawkeye so I'm really excited about this I'm glad that he is being tapped for this you know that they're taking a lot of um inspiration from that run if you want to learn more about that run we did an episode on it go back in the archives check that out um but yeah I'm excited about this I'm happy that they are getting um getting some top tier talent in here uh speaking of top tier talent Florence Pugh is showing up. That's right. Yelena Belova herself is going to be showing up in this uh, following her appearance in Black Widow. She will be reprising her role for this. So I'm assuming she's going to be filling, you know, some of the role that. Uh, Natasha Filled in the original comic series, which is really exciting. And alongside her, we have Vera Farmiga playing uh, Eleanor Bishop, the mother of Kate Bishop, who we can now confirm is being played by Haley Steinfeld. Um, This is really exciting. Vera Farmiga is... An incredible actress. I cannot tell you how excited I am about this. Um, And Haley Steinfeld. We knew the rumors were going on. You know, there's been no official confirmation. But now seeing her on set, um, she is Kate Bishop. And I'm really excited about that. Uh, The... They've uh, leaked little set picks here and there, showing off Pizza Dog. Lucky is part of the show, which is awesome. Uh, along with Steinfeld running around with Jeremy Runner. So I'm excited about this. This is really cool. Um Like I said, big heavy hitters for this show, and I cannot wait to see what they do with it. Um, Also, uh, on the other side of the pond, uh, DC has announced that Ava DuVernay, who is supposed to be helming a New Gods film with Tom King, I don't know if that's still going, uh, will be adapting Naomi for The CW. Naomi was a comic uh, by Brian Michael Bendis and uh, Jamal Campbell. And very successful one of the uh new or one of the big contributions i think that uh bendis has made in dc so far um it's it's rife for television it it makes so much sense the way that it's plotted um just the character in herself like it it's a good idea and i'm excited to see uh naomi show up in the cw so finishing things off is comics news and what we now know that i'm really excited about is that um we're getting some trader team announcements for uh for dc following future state we know that future state is kicking off next month it's just a few weeks away and even though we don't know exactly what the direction of the dc universe is going to or the multiverse and the omniverse is going to be following future state we now know that uh some of the creative teams who are going to be helming these characters following future state this isn't a complete list they've basically been updating it like every other day but we now know several of the creative teams that are going to be spinning out of this and we're going to just go over them real quick starting off with Swamp Thing, uh, written by Rom V with art by Mike Perkins. Uh, Swamp Thing's getting his own monthly series again, so that's really exciting. Um, Basically, Rom V is helming the uh, Swamp Thing Future State as well as the Justice League Dark Future State, which he will be helming following Future State as well, along with uh, art from Zermonico. So basically, this team will be continuing... uh, continuing in our post future state. So that's really exciting. Um, they're also releasing images for each of the ones that they've announced. It looks like, uh, league dark is going to be retaining wonder woman, swamp Thing, Zatanna and detective chimp. So I'm excited about that. Uh, swamp thing of course is awesome. I'm a huge fan of, um, of what he's treated well. So I have complete faith in Rom V. I know that they know what they're doing. Um, with wonder woman wonder woman was also announced and that it will be helmed by becky clunan michael w conrad uh as writers with art by travis moore big fan of all those creators they are fantastic travis moore is one of my favorite artists becky clunan is not just a great artist but also a fantastic writer and this is uh at least uh becky clunan and uh michael conrad are i believe doing the wonder woman immort or the immortal woman wonder woman series uh travis moore is all over the place so i am always glad to see travis moore anytime i see his name pop up in a book it i'm super excited because i know i'm gonna get gorgeous art um they released a big old you know, splash image featuring characters from all over Wonder Woman's history. Just skimming over it, I see Giganta, I see Maxwell Lord, Steve Trevor. Um I see the new uh Liar Liar that they just inter- that they introduced in this uh Mariko Tamaki run. Uh but I also see uh three Wonder Girls that being uh Cassie Donna and now Yara Floor, as well as Nubia and Hippolyta with Wonder Woman. So it looks like this is going to be a big push for uh, Wonder Woman getting her own kind of Wonder family, which I think is pretty awesome. We. That's the one thing that has uh, kind of kept her separate from her two other Trinity members, is that she's never had like a family, quote-unquote. So I'm excited to see that get developed. We also know that uh, Teen Titans is going to be turning into Teen Titans Academy, uh, written by Tim Sheridan with Art by Rafa Sandoval. This is the uh, Future State Teen Titans team. They're going to be continuing their uh, their story or maybe doing a prequel to it. Who knows? Um like i said everything's up in the air at this point we don't know what's going on with this stuff but we do know that red x will be appearing um that the book will be focused on the teen titans academy so i can't wait to see what they do with that we also know that there will be a new green lantern book entitled new green lantern written by jeffrey thorne with art by tim rainey or tom rainey sorry and it looks like they are going to be picking up uh, where Grant Morrison, Liam Sharp uh, are leaving off since they're ending their run in March. Uh, there's no, you know, there's no uh, telling what this book is going to be. We do know that the Future State Green Lantern book that they that these two creators are working on features. Uh, basically Jon Stewart trying to rebuild the core, but who knows if that's going to do, if that's going to be part of it. Um, I don't know if, uh, Joe will be part of this. I kind of hope so though. I also just want to keep Joe on her own with, uh, NK Jefferson and Jamal Campbell, but who knows, who knows we're going to see. Uh, and then also we have the suicide squad featuring, uh, one very prominent member that is going to be part of the Suicide Squad film, that being Peacemaker, uh is gonna be written by Robbie Thompson with art by Eduardo Pansica. Um i don't know i'm looking at the image here i don't really recognize the other three characters though i do see a talon from the court of owls so that's exciting we'll see what goes on from there uh the big news for me the one that i was really excited about is we now know that following uh future state uh pete tomasi and brad walker are going to be wrapping up their detective comics run and the they will be uh, handing off the baton to Mariko Tamaki and Dan Mora, who are doing the uh, Dark Detective book for Future State. I love this team. And Mariko Tamaki is only the second woman to write a core monthly Batman comic. So that's really exciting. I love this team. Um, I'm excited to see how they build off of their Future State book. You know, I will always turn up for... uh, Tomasi writing anything, but uh, I'm excited to get new blood in this as well. Tomasi's been on the book for a little while now, and it's good to kind of shake things up here and there. Uh, we also do know that Batman Superman is getting a team I'm very excited about, which is Jean uh, lune Yang and Ivan Race. So Ivan Race has been pretty much uh, exclusively with um, Bendis on Superman, and so I'm glad to see that he's sticking around and gets to. Uh, gets to continue to draw Superman while also including Batman and they will be, uh, helmed by Gene Lunyang, Yang, who's one of my favorite writers. So I'm all in for this, uh, Batman Superman book. We also know that Harley Quinn will be getting a new team written by Stephanie Phillips with art by Raleigh Rossmo. Um, that's great. That's great. <laughs> uh, The uh, Future State team once again is returning for this. A lot of Future State carryovers, which I believe is what the whole 5G push was going to be, but I don't know what their plans are now. That five G is not a thing and now it's Feature State. Feature State is only for two months. Who knows? Who knows what's gonna happen there? And then we do know that Batman will be continuing under the regime of James Tynan the Fourth with returning artist George Jimenez. I love George Jimenez and James Tynan the Fourth together and they can write Batman, for, or they can, you know, helm the Batman book for the next two, three years. I really enjoy them on the book. I think they make magic together, and I can't wait to see what they do next. But that is going to do it for this week's news. And speaking of comics, we're going to roll right on into the main event of this week's episode, which is part two of our December discussion, talking about mine and Matt Draper's favorite Daredevil issues of all time. But yeah, so uh, your fourth pick, please, sir.
1: Yes, so we're jumping around again, and my fourth pick is uh, Daredevil Volume 2, uh, which is Marvel Knights, number 34, I Didn't Know You Knew by Bendis and Malev. Brian Michael Bendis and, and Malev. Um, and so this takes place shortly after um, Matt Murdock's identity as Daredevil is exposed to the public. Um, it is... Uh, to it, not the issue before, but the issue before that is when that happens, and issue thirty-three is kind of the immediate fallout of that, as like Daredevil is uh Matt wakes up and he realizes that um everyone suddenly knows his his identity, and he's deciding what to do, and the la- next several issues have to deal with like what is Matt Murdock going to do, how does he choose to um to deal with this, and this brings in Ben Urich um. Again, we're talking about Ben. uh, You know, he had featured in um, Bendis's first arc, which was with um, with uh, uh, David Mack, which was um, Wake Up, which is a Mm. Ben Urich-centric arc. uh, But then this switch, you know, then he switched over to the main Daredevil run. It's all about Matt. But then this kind of balances. it's a triumvirate of Ben Urich, Matt Murdock, and Foggy Nelson, all kind of dealing with the fallout of this identity coming out. So you open in the Daily Bugle with uh, J. Jonah Jameson yelling at everyone. You know, I love this design. Uh, yeah, I, he's, the way Malev draws him, you know, is really great. Just haggard enough, mm-hmm. um, very, very angry all the time. Um, let's see, I want to know how much it cost me to get my tookus kicked this badly. <laughs> Full page spread of that with, um, this the Daily Globe has exposed, you know, uh, Pulp Hero is, is Hell's Kitchen's blind lawyer. Um, and so you get this fallout, and it's interesting because um, Ben Yurick has known that Matt Murak is Daredevil ever since um, when Miller was co-writing Daredevil, an issue called Exposé, Um and in that, you know, he realizes it and he researches it and he real comes to find out all the backstory about Matt Murdoch, including, you know, the death of, of battling Jack. And he talks to Matt and decides to not run the story. He spikes his own story because he realizes that it will do more harm and how, ha- and if he were to do this, then all the good that daredevil does in hell's kitchen will be, you know, possibly thrown away. Mm-hmm. Um, so Ben's known that Matt is Daredevil for decades now in publication time. And as soon as this comes out, you know, J. Jonah Jameson is yelling at all his reporters, which includes Ben Urich. And Ben says, Matt Murdock's not Daredevil. Like, I know who Daredevil is. It's not, it's not Matt Murdock. And so he is. Uh, he says, the story is a hoax. It's not true. Uh, yeah, it's so interesting and Ben is having, the way that Malev draws him is, is weathered and, and gaunt a bit and, and very serious. And, you know, he's just, nope, he's just stonewalling him. He's like, this is absolutely not true. um, And then, um, you know, who else walks in to, to corroborate that? But uh, Peter Parker. Yep. Um, also comes in and is like, oh, I know who Daredevil is. It's not Matt Murdock. And so two heroes in their own right, like jumping on the grenade to try and like, preserve the identity of this man that they care for, yeah. uh, but they don't actually have any personal stake in is a great way to start the issue. Um, it's just so great because because Matt is like the biggest screw-up of all time in Bendis' <laughs> run. Like, maybe more in Brubaker's, but he's def- But it's definitely a precedent set in Bendis' run. For sure. And he's um, constantly making the wrong decisions and he's digging himself deeper and deeper into holes. And that's like, the the arc of the whole run he digs himself a deep enough hole that it leads to prison yeah. at the ends uh which is a hell of a way which apparently brubaker and bendis agreed on to end really uh, they were both like talking about it. it's like you know in real in real life if someone was like matt murdoch they should go to prison and they're like we'll end it like that <laughs> <You know? laughs> so he, he tossed it off it's a baker knowing that would come. And the uh, Devil and Cell Block D is amazing. Um such a there.
0: good arc. It all almost one of those issues almost made it on here
1: for sure. Yeah. It's it's great. Um, but um, you know, afterward Ben and Peter run into each other and he's you know, hey Ben, I didn't know you knew. I don't know you knew. Well, now we know. Which is classic yeah. Ben to speak. Um mm-hmm. but it's just like we've both vouched that Matt Murdoch is not daredevil, therefore we've always known that. Matt Murdock is Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, you know, after that, in classic Bendis fashion, you know, the first half is like super talky. And then you go for these like really dramatic double page uh, spreads by Malev with, um, you know, monologue kind of punctuating it and sort of wrapping around it. And I talked about this in my, in my video about, about this half. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bendis part two will be coming this month uh, yes. too. Um <laughs> But because we, we haven't finished digging the hole and also the end of the first half stops and then you jump a year later. Yeah. And, it'll oh be a, and it will be a year after that first video. So I figured a perfect way to nice, do that. Nice. Um,
0: this is the content we come here for.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, so the second half is you have this talk between, you know, Foggy and Matt. And Foggy is trying to convince him, like, you need to stop being Daredevil. You need to quit. Mm-hmm. Like, it's over. You know, the press is outside of, of his home. And, you know, they're all trying to get a glimpse at him and get the confession from him. And it's like, you know, what led you to this? Um, you know, is this because of Electra dying uh, at Bullseye's hands? Is this because of Karen Page dying at Bullseye's hands? Like, you're having, like, a breakdown... And the entire time is you see Daredevil running across the rooftops and it's pouring rain. Um, and, the, you know, page by page, uh, you get closer and closer to Daredevil running. And then, like, all these panels start filling up with all these flashbacks and foggy and all this stuff. And he's talking more and more. Um, you know, it's this sort of, like, everything is coming. It, it's, it makes me think of, like, you know, when something suddenly bad really happens to Mm -hmm. you and your brain gets like overwhelmed and you start thinking about all the possibilities of what am I going to do and what's going to happen what could I have done differently and if this had happened differently maybe this would have gone this way and what's led to my life being like this and what am I going to do right now what's so-and-so going to think and you know where am I going to go and like and everything just like fills your brain in a million pieces and that's that's exactly what this is like right there and then you realize that he's gone out after all this talk and he's running and he's Jumps out and he lands on a light post right above all the reporters, and they don't see him there. That's the end of the issue. Yeah, like what is Matt Murdock Um, going to do? It's so it is to me. This is like everything great about Bendis's run is that it is not the action, although the action can be really good. Um, Malev does good action, but this Mm -hmm. is like perfect Bendis speak because he loves Mm -hmm. all the tiny bubbles and the you know the the choppy dialogue and the back and forth and the repetitive dialogue. And here in daredevil, like it makes you feel like these are real people, yeah. like in real world, real issues. They're all figuring the stuff out. Everything's messed up. Um, and that is like the epitome of, of this whole, this whole run. Um, and, you know, everything spirals from him, you know, being exposed. Uh, but, but, to me, like this is this is like the issue that really encapsulates it all, because that like the issue where he's exposed, called out, is told with 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 Daredevil barely in it. It's all about mm-hmm. um, wanna, driver, agent driver, and yes. the, the the criminal that they're talking to. Why am um, I blanking on his name? The underboss that causes Silk. all this stuff. Silk, um, and Daredevil's like barely in it, which is a great yeah. issue. But um, it's interesting just to see like the dive into, um, into Daredevil's psyche here through Foggy, who, you know, cuts through all the crap mm-hmm. and, ha- and tries to speak some truth to, to Matt. And it's... Um, and then the entire thing, like, the entire run, like, spirals from there. It's all yeah. spirals, you know. Holes and holes and spirals and spirals and, you know, where we go. And we talk about Wade's run being about Matt, you know, facing his depression. But this is about Matt like in the grips of depression and not even necessarily knowing that he is Mm -hmm. like not knowing that he's had like a break and that he's dealing with it all. And that's the whole impetus for the run. Um, It's great. It's not nearly as inspiring as Wade's run, (laughs) 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 which is like you like that's what I I vibe with most. I like dark stories, but I like what I really like about Daredevil is we hit the pits and then we fight our way out.
0: Mm -hmm. and the
1: the heights that we crescendo to are earned Mm -hmm. that like the inspiration that we have is not false it's not fake because we deal with the real stuff real stuff like transmitted through uh you know superheroes with hypersenses and uh ninja (laughs) assassins and you know killer marksmen and uh guys on stilts but the, the, especially the, the guys on stilts. Especially the guys. <laughs> but we deal with that. And so the, the heights that we reach are that much sweeter. Right. So but Bendis is all just digging.
0: Yes. He he is all about those lows. But honestly, no, like looking through this, because I'm um uh I'm looking through this through the, uh, through comiXology, through the digital views, just looking at the double page spreads, like it starts far away from him. And there are very few like in, um, like inlays with the little boxes. And then as you go along, like it slowly starts to get closer to him and more boxes start popping up. Um, I, I think my favorite is probably the third one, the third splash where it's like, just him in the rain. You see, like it's all his upper body, and it and the rain is hitting him such that it looks like he's crying. He could, and he could be. He absolutely could be. His life's just falling to crap. But like, it's so good. You don't know what he's gonna do. You don't know where he's going. How far, fast he's running. And the thing that strikes me, um, and something that I really appreciated about this was that every like third or fourth box is uh bullseye and it's bullseye's face and like you just see how much psychological damage bullseye has done to him and you see like little bits of like karen and you see like all of the it's so so well done and, and
1: bullseye and bullseye barely in bendis's run at all
0: He's yeah
1: in like two issues total and that's because Kevin Smith did his bull, Daredevil Bullseye the Target series which only ever had one issue. But he was like, no one else can use Bullseye until I'm done with my series. But that's then he never, finished, he never finished. never
0: That's that's what we have to do with the Joker. We just have to have Kevin Smith wow, go please. like, I'm going yeah. to do a 10 issue Joker series. No one else can use Joker until I'm done. And he'll just <laughs> do one issue.
1: Please, yes, Kevin Smith, save us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I and I love the fact that In that run, you know, outside of the times that we actually do see him, he's almost like a boogeyman. He's almost this just ethereal idea that, like, just haunts Matt in the background.
1: When he shows up in issue, I think it's 49, to kill Mila. Like, it's scary. (sighs) Yeah. It's extremely scary.
0: Yeah. Yeah and it's it's a it's that full it's that horror movie payoff where you've just heard and you get reminded every so often of this terrible person all of a sudden they're there and it's like oh no this is terrible
1: and of course he's he's not wearing his costume he has the the tattoo because Colin Farrell
0: our boy Colin Farrell
1: cuz uh, he this was around the time of the movie so he has to look like the movie but it works better for for Bendis's run yes it's always a little weird when someone shows up in costume in this run that's not daredevil because it seems a little strange.
0: Everyone's a little, yeah. little, like, it's like, people shouldn't be in costume here. Like, <laughs> kind of weird. Yeah. Well, and it also, I think, um, Maleth is just so good at drawing people just in regular clothes <laughs> that it's like when you see them in, like, costumes, you're just like, no, go back to them in that really nice jacket. Like, what are you doing? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we're a jacket and they have an umbrella and everyone's got to kind of be covered in a little bit of
0: filth. Just a little bit. A little bit of grime. And yeah, that last, that last full page is just like, that is a daredevil shot, like the whole, um, him, you know, draped over it, almost like, you know, harkening back to those images that are all over the place of him hanging on a cross above a church. Like, it's very, very cool. Yes. Yes, absolutely. What? It's a hell of a way to end that issue. Absolutely. So my, my fourth pick, speaking of Bullseye, is going to be the first entry where we are not sharing the same run on our entries. <laughs> and this is going to be uh, Daredevil. I won't pull this out because I wrote this down. Uh, this is Daredevil uh, Volume 1, Issue 200, entitled Redemption. This is written by uh, Denny O'Neill with art by William Johnson. I love this issue. I I'm I'm gonna gush about it for a second. The first off, just the um, the cover is so striking because at this point, lots of stuff have happened, lots of things have happened. Born Again hasn't happened yet, but um, Electra's happened like daredevil like dropped bullseye off of the building we had that roulette issue and this is this is just nine issues later after roulette where a lot has happened they went to japan there was like a whole thing with the hand and bullseye was essentially revived one of his many hand revivals and this is can't keep him down and he uh essentially left matt for dead and headed back to new york because he's like i got some unfinished business i gotta go back and start earning money again and like the first page is just this big like he shoves the doors open into kingpin's office he's like i'm back and it's like this amazing just like he's in his old school bullseye costume and kingpin is just like it's i i love this because kingpin's just like sitting at his desk and he's like hello um, and. <laughs> bullseye's just like yeah i'm back i'm ready to like do all this stuff he's like i'm gonna start killing again i'm gonna need you to you know rent me out of space but bullseye is still recovering he has literally just gotten essentially use of his body again and at the same time because of the uh mystical magical mumbo jumbo used to uh essentially reanimate bullseye he has this weird psychic connection with matt murdoch so they are like when one of them is stressed the other is feeling stress. and murdoch has just escaped from all the all the crap that's going on in japan so his like his arm is like broken he's got it in his sling he's got a concussion he's got internal bleeding but he's like bullseye is somewhere in new york and i cannot let that i can't let that stand uh this is also during the uh this is the, during the uh, Foggy mustache phase where Foggy had a mustache and he thought he was just the most debonair man in the world. <laughs> and I just I, I really because I think one of the um, one of the many uh, runs that people I don't think give as much uh As much clout as, at least just from what I see, is like that Denny O'Neill run that kind of let Frank Miller cut his teeth on it. A lot of people look at Frank Miller as like, you know, he's the guy who established Daredevil. But all of the stuff, all of the groundwork that he had for his run was really laid by Denny O'Neill. And his, and uh, the two of them really worked well together. Denny was, I believe, the editor on Frank's run. On Miller's run?
1: Yes, I believe he he did well, he was the editor, um when yes. it was uh Mackenzie right. uh, and Miller, and then yeah, taking over after. Yeah.
0: And he was the one who's like, okay, you know, Miller has essentially created the perfect daredevil story with the Electra Saga. Where do I go from here? And <laughs> he he basically had to uh make this you know, right near the beginning of his, his run, it's this big landmark 200th issue. So they gotta, you know, go all out for this. And so Matt Murdock and Bullseye are each set up in this space where they can start training again. You know, Matt's still got his arm in a sling. Bullseye's still trying to like, figure out, can I throw as good as I used to? And the warehouse that, or the spot that, uh, Kingpin ends up putting up bullseye to train ends up being this old uh boxing arena that Matt's father uh, Batlin Jack Murdoch used to box in but the one time that he remembers actually going to this place was when uh Batlin Jack was low on his uh, low on his money and he decided to put on a mask and become the red devil <laughs> um. It's it's a funny little retcon of like oh this is where he got the devil thing from but it's so funny because he was like you know for one night only he was this professional wrestler called the Red Devil and um, it's this great story where uh, basically Daredevil shows up to this place he's tracked down um, he's tracked down uh, Bullseye thanks to Turk Barrett one of I think the other great Daredevil characters that. Uh, thankfully made his way into the Netflix series as well. I loved every single scene. I'm rewatching it right now. Um, I just finished up season one and I just started season two. And every single scene that has Turk Barrett in it is an absolute treasure. I, I love that character.
1: Yeah, I wish he, I wish he was in more. Because he, he's Agreed. great in the series. Yeah. And he's, a, and he's just a great comedic relief character in the comics. Yeah.
0: Like the at, at the very start of like season two, you know, daredevil busts up this just deal that he's doing and he like busts up this car window and he's like hey man like can you just can you just let me go like i just got out of jail like just i i need to pay for these repairs can you just give me my car keys back and daredevil's like no and he tosses his keys into the harbor and he's like all right cool yeah thanks screw you man <laughs> <laughs> but uh back to the issue um the one night that uh jack murdoch decides to be this you know devil character uh is during the time when matt is still uh is before he gets blinded and so he goes to visit him in the uh in the locker room afterwards and he finds jack like crying because he believes that he disgraced himself as a fighter by doing this which is just a great just salute to pro wrestling um just <laughs> I was like hey what basically- the hell yeah i was like like as i remember reading this the first time and i'm I'm like i if i haven't made it clear on this podcast before i am a big pro wrestling fan and basically like obviously denny o'neill has a very big problem with pro wrestlers apparently (laughs) because like um basically what uh jack says he's like listen kid what you seen out there tonight, forget it. Because that was something I didn't want to do. I had to. I had to earn money. You've been sick and there's bills left over from your ma and my manager ain't been getting me fights. So I had to put on this stupid suit and make a fool out of myself. But I'll never do it again, no matter what. <laughs> and I'm like, just a ringing endorsement for pro wrestling if there ever was one. Oh, yeah. But, um, so Daredevil like recognizes, oh, this is the building where my dad you know, said... You know, I am not going to compromise who I am just for money or to gain something. He says, I think, um, kid, there's never a reason for not being what you are. And as Daredevil's like reminiscing, he meets Bullseye, who's like, hey, what are you doing here, pal? And Daredevil's got his arm in a sling, and they're like going back and forth. Um, Bullseye, during the fight, pulls out a sigh. And he, like, kind of alludes to the fact that he's like, hey, didn't I stab your girlfriend with this? And he, like, throws, you know, throws it at Daredevil. Daredevil catches it, throws it back at him, and it hits his shoulder. And there's this great moment. um, He says, Bullseye's like, pretty good. Almost as good as as I would have done it. Only I would have aimed for the heart. And Daredevil, like, flies through with a kick, and he's like, I did. I missed. (laughs) And, oh, so good. Yeah. It's like this just, this culmination of the two of them, all they have gone through, like up till this point, just beating the holy hell out of each other in a boxing ring or professional wrestling ring, whatever you want to call it. And the thing about this fight is that Bullseye wins. Like Bullseye kicks Daredevil's ass because he is not ready to like be in a fight like this. And, you know, Bullseye's got him at gunpoint and he's like, You know, you came after me, like, all this time, like, I've, I keep beating you, I keep beating you, but then you let me live, we played that route, that stupid roulette game, and you let me live, and I cannot let, I cannot, like, let that go, like, you owe me, or like, I can't, you know, owe you anything, so I'm gonna let you live, and, and it's this chilling, I want to read this out, because it's so good, um, And you walked away without shooting, treated me like dirt, like I wasn't worth killing. Well, I'm doing the same for you, letting you live. Only every time I do a job, every time I kill somebody, I'm going to make sure you hear about it. I know you, pal. I've been inside your head, and that's the worst thing I can do to you. Just let you live knowing you're responsible for everything I do because you didn't take your shot when you had it. And, like, oh, it's so good. Like, immediate... Uh, consequences from the roulette issue and the this moment where uh, Bullseye is like, I've won, I've beaten you, and Daredevil just flips out. Like he jumps at him, he takes his billy club, like smacks him on the back of the head, and he gets him in this. You know, at that point, the uh, uh, the billy club could like uh, come together and like had the wire in between it at that point, and so he's got like. Uh, Bullseye in this like chokehold, like he's gonna snap his neck. And the cover of this is Daredevil standing over Bullseye's body with his neck snapped, and it's like, oh my god, this is what's gonna happen. Like, like we've gotten here. We're here at the cover art. And, you know, Matt has this flashback to um to that moment that Jack was talking to him in the locker room where he's like, I disgraced myself, and there ain't no money in the world that can pay for that. There's never a reason for not being who you are and Matt just like in the roulette issue doesn't kill him he drops him down and he's like uh, the burden I've been feeling all these months it's not that I didn't succeed in killing you it's that I tried to I'm not a killer and it kind of you know t- talking about the Netflix series again like it reminded me of the or rather the Netflix Uh, Scene reminded me of this issue where in uh, season three, at the very end, where he is just like beating on Wilson Fisk and he knows that Fisk's plan is to become a martyr. He kills him and he proves him right. And he's just, you know, like, God, I don't want to, like, I wish I could kill you, but I am not that person and you don't get to change who I am. And this is that exact same thing. This is that exact same spirit. And, um, he meets two officers outside who just happen to be strolling by you know just because officers do that just in the middle of a thunderstorm strolling by this abandoned you know derelict building Um, and daredevil's like there's a wanted man inside murderer he won't give you any trouble he's unconscious and the police officers say you look pretty bad you better get to a doctor i'll call an ambulance and daredevil says no ambulance i'll be fine and he just kind of wanders off into the storm and it's this like oh it's this like terribly at the same time like tragic that it is triumphant where just like in the um in the roulette issue, it's talking about his no kill rule, but I feel like this is like a tad more hopeful in the delivery of it where, where Miller's was more of like a deconstruction on, you know, like you said before, so eloquently the impotence of heroes with that kind of no killing rule. This is more of a, I am who I am and I'm not going to, you know, become something just because it's easy. Mm -hmm. And, I I just I I adore it. I think it's a fantastic like single story issue. Just from Bullseye knocking the doors open at the very beginning to like him wandering off into the rain, uh, Daredevil wandering off into the rain. Um, I just I think it's a wonderful issue. And it was a it was a fitting end, at least at that point, to their rivalry. Before it would again be picked up during Board Again. <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. Well, it, it, you can never leave it alone for long. It'll always. True return um bullseye is you know daredevil's greatest at least physical enemy so you can never Mm -hmm. leave alone but it it is great um it's so interesting that it balances like some really like serious ideas and like serious character work with some silliness like the whole like mental connection between them is totally not needed
0: no not at all
1: like you don't need them to somehow have their minds and emotions interlinked for like these two guys to hate each other like
0: yeah and it's only for literally these two issues and it's never brought up again
1: um, yeah because i guess he he beat them bad enough that they don't need it anymore (laughs) or like yeah the whole like jack is like a a, um the the red devil although i did like that nice little touch at the end where you see the poster at the end and you see Mm -hmm. red devil and the dd is there like between the two interlinked and like it almost looks like it almost looks like God fighting the devil, but uh, reversed. And somehow, the, the yes. knowing that Jack is the is Red Devil is is he is the God, you know, fighting the devil. It's really interesting, um, and it's got great action. And you're right; it's like a really um, nice way to like conclude these like ideas that had been left there by Miller to some degree. And and it is dark, but I do think it is more hopeful. It definitely pushes Daredevil into a, a better place. Um, emotionally spiritually heroically than the end of roulette absolutely at the end of roulette you're like oh my god like <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> what am i so like oh this is the worst
1: saying? yeah like, every, oh, oh no everything's terrible <laughs> somebody do something <laughs> um, but yeah the o'neill run is definitely not as like remarked upon but and mm-hmm. i haven't read the entire thing i i've bits and pieces but i've read same there's one of his his issues is a uh, honorable mention for me um nice but yeah, but this is a great pick, and it's a it's a great Daredevil Bullseye issue, um, and there's a reason why that character is kind of the Joker to to Daredevil's uh, Batman to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, Kingpin is the other great Daredevil villain, but yes. he's more emotionally complex and physically removed uh, right. than than Bullseye. You need that like great physical threat. Uh, mm-hmm. And he definitely fulfills that, and it's oh, it's, it's sure. really awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so great what,
0: put it on there. What is your final pick in our top five Daredevil single issues?
1: Well, you already know. So don't, don't <laughs> I do? Don't play dumb with, play dumb with me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, it is uh, Daredevil number two thirty one, saved by Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli. So. And this is. Now, we didn't rank these, but this is my favorite Daredevil story of all time. My favorite single Daredevil issue story, Daredevil issue of all time. Born Again is my favorite comic book of all time. Uh, the entire story is maybe my favorite piece of literature of all time. <laughs> maybe it is my favorite, like, like, inanimate thing of all time. Beating so you, so
0: As you can hear, Matt, Matt kind of likes this. Matt kind of likes the story.
1: Yes, so it's really daunting to talk about, but um, born again uh, is just an incredible piece uh, of, of writing. It's an incredible comic and uh, not to spoil your pick, but we'll talk about more. Uh, and um, you know, the whole thing is that, you know, Matt Murdoch's identity is found out by the Kingpin who systematically destroys him. And Matt has a total mental breakdown and, so let me pull up my my digital copy here.
0: Um, as 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 mad as want to do, he he has, f- you know, physical and mental breakdowns on the regular. I think
1: it's the best way to get a good video. Um, really, <laughs> really kind of turn the screws on yourself here. But so um, it goes. Daredevil goes from uh, gosh, what what issue does it start at? What is what is Armageddon?
0: What. Uh, Armageddon is two thirty three.
1: Okay, so two thirty three starts the whole right. No wait, two thirty one. No, Arma-
0: is- Armageddon ends it.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, Armageddon ends it. it. Okay,
0: two twenty six. Uh, I think two twenty six
1: starts. Yes. Okay, the start of, of born again. Sorry about that. Sometimes I forget the numbers here. Um, because there's a lot of numbers in comics, uh, and then oh. they repeat the numbers. Uh, Almost too many. <laughs> and so, um. The, it starts with, with apocalypse and you get these, so born again is a really real, has a lot of religious imagery that's based oh, yes. throughout it. It is a very Catholic story and it deals, it, it, it takes place some, some, some of it takes place at Christmas and it also deals heavily in um, uh, the crucifixion and mm-hmm. the stations of the cross are heavily involved in a lot of the imagery Um, So the Stations of the Cross are um, sort of a, uh, you know, this, um, it's mostly Catholic, but it is a, the imagery used to show all the different um, moments that Christ went through on the way to his crucifixion and resurrection. And it's used a lot throughout it, such as, you know, that Christ fell three times carrying the cross on the way to his crucifixion. Matt falls three times on, you know, this whole journey that he is into his rebirth and so whereas in the story of christ like he has a physical rebirth you know uh from his literal death matt has a near-death experience and has a spiritual rebirth um so you know he goes through all this mental and physical turmoil because uh karen page has um you know, he has become this, uh, this heroin addict, a junkie, and has sold his identity, which makes its way back to the Kingpin. And of course, Daredevil is the Kingpin's greatest enemy, so he decides to um, destroy, you know, test this, and he'll destroy Matt Murdock and see if he's actually Daredevil. Surprise, surprise, he is, and he completely loses it, thinks everyone's after him. And it, it sort of ends in um, the discovery that um, Sister Maggie, uh, this nun at the local parish, is his long lost mother and uh, Maggie, you know, comforts him in this, the, the Pieta imagery of Maggie oh, holding yeah. Matt is amazing. So good. Um, finding him in his dad's old gym, Fogwell's um, as he, as he collapses for the final time. And then, um, you know, Matt realizes Maggie is my mom. Um, after all this time, not really knowing what happened to his mother, mm-hmm. you know, she, you know, left, him and, and Jack when he was a kid. And so you get this whole thing. And all all the while, you know, there's Kingpin who's like celebrating. And yurik you know, has this information on him, but is also being targeted by Kingpin into silence. Um, he murders someone in front of has someone murdered in front of him, you know, that silences yurik Um Karen is in New York and is um you know trying to get away from you know drug dealers and pimps and everything and is followed by Paulo who brings her there and is you know using her and she's looking for Matt for forgiveness so the whole story is about like forgiveness and rebirth and it climaxes in saved and so there's so much to talk about with with yeah. but we'll just talk about saved for now and we'll kind of blow it out and we'll talk more about other stuff Mm-hmm. Save is the um, the first of two climaxes. It's the it's the climax to the um, spiritual side of the Born Again story, right? Uh, and so it starts with Matt getting stronger again. He's uh, doing the punching bag in Fogwell's gym, which is where he originally collapsed, and culminating him like punching it off the chain. And you see that like Matt has been reborn. That like the splash pages with the titles of the f- three previous issues all have Matt. Curling up further and further into a fetal position, as he's Such like great, you know, great stuff. It's this like spiritual death, and now he is reborn. And Ben has decided to go forward with this expose on Wilson Fisk as the kingpin of crime. That causes him to be um, targeted by this, this this beast of a woman. She is terrifying. She's very terrifying. She's extremely terrifying, um, and. You know uh, Lois. You know who attacks. You know Ben uh, is uh, in the middle of hanging his wife in the the shower uh, from a oh. tie and like destroys his bodyguard. And so Ben uh, saves his wife, cuts her down with a straight razor, and doesn't know what to do. In the meantime, Matt shows up and destroys Lois like that. Just yeah, thing. takes her out. So. What I interpret this to be is that if man has gone through the stations of the cross and the spiritual death and rebirth like Christ, he is beginning to appear to his followers um, like Christ does in, in the Bible. He begins to just appear. He doesn't have this sort of physical imitation, and he doesn't have to you know walk and run everywhere. He just shows up. He's just suddenly there and making his presence known. And his rebirth is to be Daredevil once again. And it's it's amazing. And clearly, obviously, Matt is not a, this, you know, supernatural spiritual being. But the way that, like, that Miller and Mazzucchelli, who Mazzucchelli is the greatest comic book artist of all time. Um, so good. Uh, he just shows up and he has these, you know, impactful moments and, you know, knocks her out. And suddenly Ben realizes Matt's alive. He didn't, he thought he was dead. Like, he thought very well he could be dead, which everyone thought that he was, you know, when he's thrown to the bottom of, of the East River, manhattan river um you know and then there's no body um i have shown them that a man without hope is a man without fear all those sorts of stuff oh, so okay. good every every single page every single line every single theme every there single, was no single character there was no it, body yeah it oh. is like the best that they ever could be this is a creative team firing like on all cylinders all the time no misses you know, just going for it, swinging for the fences, and hitting a home run with every single thing they do. It's incredible. It is mm-hmm. the most, like, it's tough to compare it to to literally anything else. <laughs> and and it is it is it comic that are like I hold like the closest to my heart. Like this is like, if you had to destroy every other comic in existence, you know, <laughs> and save one, this is I would save Born Again. But um, so Matt's going through this thing, and then. Kingpin. It's it's kind of ludicrous. He busts a a, a psychotic, um, a violent psychotic out of you know uh, out of um, hospital uh, to dress him up as Daredevil uh, and set him loose to pin and have him kill Foggy and Karen's there also, so Karen will also be killed and have this like the murder of his friends pinned on Daredevil to destroy him further because mm-hmm. now he knows that Matt's alive and so he has. Um, Uh, the gladiator you know who's reformed now and makes costumes make this daredevil costume for him and i love you know he's like he's calling betsy and he's like hey you know fisk is after me and i gotta make this costume or he's gonna kill me i don't know what to do and matt shows up in shadow and he says uh make the costume no one will be hurt he's in totally in shadow and and he goes uh pleasure to hear your voice daredevil like that you know melvin is this you know tortured character and melvin he's died. on the straight and narrow now but you know just to see this like the reassurance and again mm-hmm. we're talking about like these spiritual themes that if if Matt is like a christ allegory again appearing out of nowhere to like comfort someone that like believes in him because melvin believes in, in daredevil um so you get that and then so it all climaxes with this total insanity of paulo shows up to come after karen and the, the Daredevil crazy person has, has come to, you know, he kills like his handler and he's coming after them. And the cops show up and Karen knocks out Foggy because she's like, I'll go and Paolo's going to kill me. But Foggy will be alive. But she doesn't know about, you know, the Daredevil thing. And so you get like this, like the screws are like tightening, like mercilessly on everyone. And you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how anyone's going to make it out of this. Like the only hope is obviously Daredevil, because he is he has been saved. Now he's come to save you know his his friends like his followers in like a spiritual degree. Um, but like the it's so satisfying. You're talking about Matt knocking out the Purple Man with the punch.
0: Mm-hmm. That
1: that happens like so many times here in this yeah. one issue. Him knocking out Lois with like the like the sudden kick. He kicks mm-hmm. like so much. He has these deadly kicks.
0: The big kick through the door.
1: The kick through the door. The walk as he he punches through the door and then he splinters the door with the kick. It's like a Terminator. Yeah, absolutely. And then he's fighting this imposter daredevil and he takes him down with another kick. This mm-hmm. like massive like super kick that like knocks the guy out. And, you know, the cops are coming and Paulo's going to shoot out. Oh, oh, and then like kingpins, you know, uh, assassins are coming to kill everyone else. And so, like, again, so it all climaxes, you know, with uh, Paula's been shot. And he's going to he might be dying. And, you know, Karen pulls out this syringe of like heroin to take like one last hit because she's like, I'm dead. Um, you know, I might as well like go out without feeling the pain. I'm going to take this because she's still trying to like come down from her addiction um and so it's you know it, it's like gonna shoot her and she says you know one last fix stop shaking find the vein won't even feel the bullet one last find the vein i love you matt and like he shows daredevil shows up you just see him in glimpses his foot knocks off a you know an icicle that stabs paulo's arm and he throws the billy club that he took from the fake daredevil and he knocks out the other guy and you just see her you know look at him and the the syringe is on the 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 ground and then the full page splash page Ugh. just kills me every time yeah. it's it's heartbreaking and it's beautiful and like it just like you don't need just you don't need anything to be said because it's the moment of forgiveness because she's looked for him for forgiveness and you know he's tried to find his way and gosh i'm getting emotional <laughs> about it Because it's like, it's everything that the story has, has led to. Right. Perfect. It's just, it's just like, it's, it's everything that this entire story has been like trying to say, but Mm. it's, it's great. And then you close with uh, Ben, with Ben Yurick talking again, he's like doing his like terse, you know, reporting of, of, of everything. And, uh, it's. It's like the, the rap of you see, like the naked, the naked daredevil guy. <laughs> just the, the, it's, uh, and you, you just see like the carnage in the aftermath of like people, you know, these cops have been killed and, you know, these other people knocked out and everything's. And like you see, like Ben has like regained himself, like after, mm-hmm. after losing so much. And he says, you know, as for me, like I told you, I'm a reporter. I'm going to find out where Matt Murdock is and what he has become. And that's the <sighs> end of the issue. So good. It's great. It's just, oh my gosh. It's a, it's the perfect comic in a perfect series. It's, it's, it's literally, you know, all the stuff we've kind of talked about of Mm -hmm. Daredevil, of the highs and lows and, you know, what the character means. And obviously Matt has gone through so much. And, you know, he has like, he has regained himself, you know, before this issue starts when he you know before he he realizes that maggie is his mom and he's recovered and there's that whole like the imagery when he's in the um the hos in when he's recovering in the bed and there's like the cross imagery around him very yeah. like, uh, that's at the start of that But then he's finally like recovered um it's like it's not like a one to one allegory of, uh, of like the crucifixion and everything but it's all there
0: yeah definitely illusions.
1: death and rebirth is the general you know turn of the whole thing mm-hmm. so in this point he has like regained himself he he is if we're talking about how like um zadarsky's run in inferno is about like matt becoming like the best person that he can be mm-hmm. like this is um him beyond that he's like yeah. totally beyond that at this moment in this in this time but he's still like very much a person because the the um that splash page the forgiveness splash page where like you see Karen's face and she is yeah. totally racked oh. and is weeping but you don't see his face at all He's buried in her you just see the side and like you know he's on the other side of her you don't see you don't see him because you don't it's not a question of whether Matt is going to forgive her or not yeah. or if he's going to care for her or love her it's not even a question he yeah, is there he for her completely and yeah. it, it's really like it destroys her to some degree that like after everything that's happened and after everything, you know, she's done and he's been through and who they are in their past, like not even a question, you know, it's that. So that's easily my favorite, my favorite Daredevil issue of all time. My favorite yeah. of all time. And there's a lot more to be said and there's a lot more to be said about Born Again, but I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to let you go. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I I think I'm actually just going to end that because I don't know how I can follow that. Because, um, yeah, that's... I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Like, it's just... I think everyone, no matter who you are, what your background is, you see an image like that and everyone wants to have someone in their life who would love them unconditionally like Matt seems to love Karen in this moment. And it's just... Oh, it's heartbreaking. But it's also, like you said, like it's... The idea of forgiveness is so fragile, like it can make or break anyone. And just, that's, like you said, an amazing culmination of this story. But technically, it's not the end of the story. Yes. Because they've got two more issues with our boy, Nuke. Nuke just comes in like a freaking wrecking ball following this incredibly... (laughs) emotional um, uh, tour de force that Matt and Karen have been on. And Nuke literally just destroys everything in his path. Uh, My final book, as Matt cleverly alluded to, was uh, issue 233, just a couple issues later, entitled Armageddon, also by Frank Miller and Dave Mazzucchelli. This is essentially the finale of born again this is anytime you pick up a trade this is the last issue even though it's more or less um not really like i don't know the the general themes of born again aren't as prevalent here Mm -hmm. um but this is very much still dealing with the aftermath and all of the stuff that was still going on behind the scenes with kingpin's corruption his hold on new york Uh, with also some corrupt government stuff in here, which is always a good time. (laughs) And when you've got corrupt government, you know who you you gotta call. It's Captain America, folks. (laughs) This is on my list, not just as one of my favorite Daredevil comics, but also one of my favorite Captain America comics. This is so good. Uh, Daredevil, it starts off basically with um, kind of carrying off of the previous issue, which is Nuke just being beset upon, or being set upon the city. Um, the government made some shady dealings, and now they're trying to essentially scorched earth it so they can um, wipe away any kind of connection. And it starts off right away with uh, Daredevil being just attacked by a helicopter, and um, Nuke is running around, they have this battle on top, of, uh, on top of a building, and all the while, Kingpin is just kind of, like, watching in the distance through these binoculars, uh, just, like, watching the, sh- watching the show, watching New York be on fire, and it's this, like, I don't know, like, it's so interesting because the, um, the, uh, the saved issue ends off with this incredible reunion between Karen and Matt, and they're, like, having this moment. And the next issue, the issue between these two, you know, opens up with the two of them just, like, you know, in bed with each other, and they finally, like, come back to each other. And all of a sudden, boom, just, like, firebombing. Like, they are just... It's a very, like, sharp left turn. And so... Um, daredevil's fighting nuke and after being able to finally apprehend him for the most part while also bringing down that helicopter that was attacking them all of a sudden the clouds roll in and the avengers are on the scene featuring um uh featuring cap the i believe this was at the time where thor was rocking the beard from the scars i think
1: so i think this is the end of simonson yeah post simonson maybe as well
0: as the best iron man armor ever don't don't at me uh the silver centurion <laughs> it's good i like it it's uh, i i i don't know why but the red and silver always gets me like it's it's always been my favorite armor um but basically like uh cap shows up and he's just like what the hell is going on here like he it's this it's this moment where like many times across Cap's history, he starts to question uh, his government, which is always a good, you know, impetus for a story with Captain America. Um, Kingpin is still doing. it. There's this weird scene where Kingpin's in a sauna and he's like talking to all these guys, and he, you know, like Kingpin does, he cracks this guy's neck just on a whim because he's Wilson Fisk, and he could just do whatever he wants. Yeah, disrespect them. <laughs> Very bad when you do that. Yeah. And we get to kind of see the fallout from uh the main kind of the A plot of Born Again. You know, Matt is starting to bring all these people uh to safety in the church. You know, he's interacting with Sister Maggie, he gives this like nice kiss to uh to Karen where he's like, I gotta go figure this out and immediately as he jumps up, there's Captain America and he's like, Whoa, 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 hey. Um the two of them are just. And, and I love this too. There's this interaction where. Because um, uh, Cap has no idea who Nuke is. This is the first time he's ever met Nuke. He doesn't know what's going on here. And he's like, That man last night, who is he? And De- Daredevil just goes, You didn't ask? Your employers, I mean. And like, it's just this great little. Again, like subtle Frank Miller thing where he's like, oh, you know, characters like Captain America, characters like Superman, they're just their establishments of the government. But unlike what Frank Miller does to Superman in uh, Dark Knight Returns, they actually give Cap this like this great arc in this issue where it's like, I have a lot of doubts and I need to figure out what's going on here um they basically have this conversation he's like the government's involved in this and uh what is this um basically you know matt is like why do you why do you care about this and cap goes he wears the flag and it's like oh yeah it's like so captain america i love this yeah Um, of course matt says i hadn't noticed (laughs) yeah as like not just like oh yeah thanks for talking the obvious but also like hey buddy look in a mirror like it's it's this great you know i don't know the the two of them are so different from each other that it's like i love seeing them interact they have this great interaction in the wade Samney run too um i don't know if that was still rivera doing art at that point but anyway like they have this great interaction anytime they share a comic book i love it um Cap does some more investigating. There's that. There's this great scene, this iconic panel where he says, I'm loyal to nothing general except the dream. Um, and meanwhile, uh, Karen, uh, Matt, and Foggy go to the remains of their favorite diner, just like, well, you know, this building's partially standing, but I don't know what's going to go on for the rest of this. Uh, and Cap is making his way systematically through this government building where they are keeping Nuke and Nuke is being fed these pills. For those of you who are completely unfamiliar with who Nuke is, uh, Nuke is this character who is, who was a failed, well, the failed, I guess is um, relative uh, experiment test subject for the super soldier program, but he was built off of these, uh, these pills. So white pills, I, I think white pills like even him out red pills make him more angry and then blue pills calm him i think that's the i think that's the combo i think that's what it is yeah so cap does this great like he's trying to like hack this computer and it's like coming really slow to him and it's talking it's this big like frank miller narration that he loves doing where he's just like you know the old man stares at the computer screens and like it's so it's it's just i love this but it um So Nuke breaks free of his chains. He, like, downs an entire bottle of his red pills. Um, at the same time, uh, Cap, like, is able to intercept him, and, you know, Daredevil's dealing with the actual, like, people in charge of this, the, uh, the scientists and the uh, crooked politicians and everything, um... And at the point that Cap is able to, you know, overpower Nuke, there's that attack helicopter again, a different one, but no no less dangerous. And Cap is basically just going up against these guys while he kind of like, he's like, I'm going to hand Nuke's, you know, half dead body that's like riddled with bullets over to Daredevil. Because he's evidence that there has been like corroboration between the corrupt officials and Kingpin, and we can like bust this thing wide open if we get him, you know, if we get him to like testify and talk about this stuff. And so he's battling this while uh, somehow Daredevil has commandeered. (laughs) They never show it, but like you just see Daredevil like pulling Nuke's body away, and all of a sudden they're in a cab and. Like, he's just driving, and he's got Nuke in the passenger seat, and Nuke passes away in the during the middle of the drive, and it's, it's like, he's trying to figure out, he's like, what do I do here, what do I do here, and it does this beautiful little cut over to the Daily Bugle, where, like, he has been looking for a lead, he has been looking for a way to pin Kingpin down, to get, you know, him off his back, and... He has just delivered this to Ben Urich, of course. Just like dumps this like soaking wet dead body of Nuke onto Phil's desk or uh, Ben Urich's desk, and it's just like, what was supposed to happen there? Like he's just like, hey, I have this for you. Um, And so the next couple, uh, next couple panels is basically just kind of the fallout of that. Um, They, you know, there's a newspaper that reads U.S. Army super killer, Kingpin implicated in Hell's Kitchen Slaughter. So Kingpin starts to finally get his comeuppance that we have been waiting for. But at the same time, it starts him on this path because he is, you know, he's been wronged and he is now not just focused in on Matt Murdock and Daredevil. He is going to ruin everything about him from this point forward. There's this great, he's like working on this, um, uh machine this you know lifting machine and he's like uh where is it he's like uh he's shunned even condemned by the businessmen who so recently cheered him still in the eyes of everyone except as yet the law he is a villain the law at least i took that from him murdoch he thinks and plans and it's this great like the story continues kind of moment but for me like the big you know iconic uh, moment for me is the very last page of this it's the whole wrap-up the end of born again matt is walking with karen it's the first time that they look healthy together like <laughs> because they've just been through so much and um this uh this whole dialogue that he gives here i'm just going to read out to you uh my name is matt murdoch i was blinded by radiation my remaining senses function with superhuman sharpness I live in Hell's Kitchen and do my best to keep it clean. That's all you need to know. It's like the perfect Daredevil ending. Like, it's this and then the last uh, full-page spread of Samny's run that are like my two perfect Daredevil endings. Like, we... Yeah. yeah. I, like,
1: I contend that this could have been like the end of Daredevil. Absolutely. The end.
0: They, they could have ended it right here and be like, You know, Daredevil was this... We we could be talking about this in 2020 and be like, you know, it's really interesting how they really went out on a high note with Daredevil. After this, they just had the perfect ending and there was no more Daredevil. Like, it's very ambiguous. Like, what happens here with Daredevil? Like, he's... We don't see him as Daredevil. We see him as Matt. Yeah. Him and Karen just kind of, you know, essentially walking off into the sunset. The very, you know, gross Hell's Kitchen looking sunset, but like the sunset no less
1: rebuilding. They're rebuilding. You can see mm-hmm. construction happening. And, uh you know, they're... Um,
0: and some they're hooligan built. on a
1: skateboard? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's so perfect. What a great ending.
0: Yeah. And it's just, it's this, you know, you talked about before, like, specific issues, specific lines, kind of distilling the character down to you know their purest form. And I feel like this final little blurb that he gives on this page is every like he says that you know at the end he's like that's all you need to know it's everything you need to know about Daredevil in one solitary page, yeah.
1: And this whole issue is re- Miller is just amazing at distilling everything down to its essence. Yeah, he, like goes in so many directions with this one issue because you know the main arc of Born Again is really following this very specific story,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: a uh, God and Country right before this is like bringing in Nuke and having this, like, climax to having him back in the suit. And then, like, that battle that leads up to is, like, I don't know, like, a quarter of the issue. Yeah. Um, and then we go. We just, we're going. We're going so many places here. But it work, it never feels, like, rushed. Right. Everything feels like it's given, like, its perfect amount of space.
0: Yeah. And, like, and nothing feels like it drags either. Yeah. Like, we don't spend too long in any one place. No, definitely not. Like,
1: he gets Captain America so well, like, in such a short amount of time, which is crazy, given, that, like, I feel like he doesn't really handle, like...
0: he. Given he got
1: Superman so wrong? Given he got Superman so wrong, this is the same guy that wrote, like, Holy Terror, like, decades oh, later, yeah. and it's oh, like, right. I can't believe he got Captain America so right. But, like, the the battle with Nuke is amazing. Um, and, like, the Daredevil is like, tortured by the fact that, like, every second that he spends not taking this guy down is, like, another life possibly lost. Yeah. Like, I got to get, get this guy right now. And, like, the fight is, like, so visceral and that he's, like, going all out on this guy. And, like, the nuke has, like, weapons-grade, like, plastics, like, inside mm-hmm. his body to make him, like, more durable, which is really disturbing and crazy to think about. He throws this guy, like, into, like, electric wires. He throws him onto, like, a burning car. Yep. Um and that like he's just doing he's just he's trying to tear this guy up, like as fast as he can. And then like Matt kills a guy. Like Yes, he absolutely does. You know, no more. Forgive me. And he takes Nuke's rocket launcher and blows up the the attack helicopter with the guy who's mm-hmm. still shooting. And he kills a he kills a guy. And it's like, you know what? Like, I get it. Like it's not a lot of time spent on it, but it's like I understand that like he you had to do it. Yeah. And then the avengers showing up in this they're like mythic
0: yeah it's this brush with like this larger universe yeah
1: a soldier with a voice commands that could command a god and does you know that like you don't even you see thor's like silhouette you don't even mm-hmm. see his full thing and like yeah iron man showing up they're on they're the avengers are on panel for um less than two pages yeah you know it, and like they make this like yeah this mythic larger world um and then, you know, you switch over and the way that like he describes Captain America, um the way that, you know, no man ever breathed like that. Uh uh it's really interesting the way that he, you know, just can describe him. Um you Yeah, the whole, like, you know, little nothing except the dream, like you are talking about, is, like, such a perfect distillation there that it's still constantly referenced by people now, mm-hmm. like, in this one panel of Captain America and a Daredevil story is, like, so iconic. Written
0: by Frank Miller, of all Written people. By,
1: he sets up the whole Weapon Plus program. Yeah. The whole, like, the Captain America was part of Weapon Plus.
0: Which would become huge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, that nuke has been used so much in the time since when he's really just this like distillation of like the military industrial complex, mm-hmm. um, and is killed off like at the end, the whole, the, the flag tattoo on the face is really like in the issue before. There's like that panel that just focuses on. Yeah. The, the flag, so good. Um, that goes down to like his lip. Um, and I love the, how captain America interacts with other soldiers. Like he's very respectful as he's like yeah. knocking them out.
0: <laughs> the one guy in the elevator is just like, Yes, corporal.
1: <laughs> the way that he hits him, the w- way that he hits Nuke with his shield is like so, like visceral, and, like fast, yeah, and, like, efficient, and um, the way that he like knocks out an entire line of soldiers. Yeah. Sir, we can't let you. Omph. I respect that, Lieutenant. And he knocks out like six guys at once in a line, yeah. like almost. It's
0: it's just that's perfect, like comic Captain America, just like yes, sir, and knocks him to the side.
1: <laughs> it's so perfect, and that and that that final page is really the pers- perfect distillation.
0: Oh man, Born Again. Born Again is just a it's a real treasure of, yeah. a, of a story. Like I cuz I almost which one was it? It was almost um I want to make sure I get this issue right cuz it was either going to be this one or it was going to be no, it's it's not that one i can't remember it's the one where he blows up the his apartment building uh that's apocalypse yeah
1: yes that's the first one
0: so he's like he shouldn't have signed it like that that's another like oh shit like i love this like it is about to go down like yeah in every issue like you you talked about um you know, the first issue of this story starts off with him sleeping in this really nice bed in his apartment, and then the next issue is him in this like dun- like dingy little like New York studio, and then the la- you know the one after that is him just sleeping in garbage. Like it's so cool. The uh, this is I think this is probably my favorite Mazu Kelly work when it comes to his art, like he's, he's incredible. And like, I mean, a lot of people know him from another Frank Miller classic year one, but this, I think for me just really hits every chord that you would need for, you know, what, what he does best, which is gritty yet incredibly dynamic art.
1: Yes. He, it, it's, it's, um, his his characters are very clean,
0: um,
1: and only they need. You know, he increases the detail when he gets into his close-ups, so they're not cartoony, but they're very clean characters, and you can see that influence, on on guys like David Aja, um, who would take it in a further cartoony, even more simplified direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but his cityscapes are like very realistic. He has like great realism, but his poses and his um, action are really really dynamic. Yeah, um, and he's got a really amazing sense of pace, which is why those, like, kicks, they, like, hit so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, think about, like, year one, and thinking about, like, the SWAT team coming in yep. for Batman, yes. um, which has this perfect blend of, like, Batman's human vulnerability with, like, some slight, like, m- mythic nature to the way that he's illustrated, too, especially when mm-hmm. the bats come in. Yeah. He's amazing. And you know, he worked more on Daredevil outside of these issues too. But right. him and Miller obviously click so well. Um and then he his he's his art changed a ton. Have you read Asterios Polyp? No, not yet. So Asterios Polyp he came out with, I want to say, like seven or eight years ago. And if you look okay. it up, it's it it doesn't look like Mazzucchelli at all Went But it is a complete like artistic masterclass about this um architect and like his search for sort of human connection and it is a very like stylish, very like exaggerated, cartoonish look, because every every person's um characterization is a distillation of their like sort of um their personality. Like he is wow. so Asterius Polyp is is the the architect in question. He I think he's an architect. And um he is done in this like 3D rendered um uh, sort of, you know, multidimensional but like very um straight-edged look um in the way that he talks and everything is like this like perfect distillation of his like outlook on the world too mm-hmm. and everything's done in like pinks and blues and Yeah, this is, is uh,
0: Mosu Kelly's art? Yeah. Oh my he god. Wrote, yeah.
1: He he wrote that, he um he drew it, he inked it. This looks it's nothing really nothing
0: like his art.
1: It doesn't, but it is such an that's such crazy a interesting. Obviously, he wouldn't draw that all the all the time for everything else. But this is like right. like he had this vision. It's such an incredible story. It yeah, is like, I'm
0: gonna check this out for sure.
1: It it that looks great. It is highly experimental, but it is also very human. And mm-hmm. I won't spoil anything, but there's something that happens at the end is like it it like it sent me into shock.
0: Basically. Oh jeez.
1: Um, but in a good way, it's a great story. It's, That's it, fantastic. It's, it's incredible. Please, yeah, read it. Let me know what you think. Yes, um, I will
0: absolutely. But, but man, I he's mean, so great. Yeah, he's fantastic. I mean, my fa- probably one of my favorite images of all time is Matt Murdock fighting a Santa with a switchblade. Who is Turk Barrett
1: again? Who is Turk, Barrett? Turk
0: Barrett. Barrett? Our boy Turk he Barrett stabs Matt in the
1: gut. Like suddenly, this comic relief character has like gutted Deadly your your character. It's really crazy. Yeah. Matt again, um, daredevil at Christmas, you know,
0: that's a recurring (laughs) thing. That is a recurring thing. That might, uh, that might pop up again. Yeah. Never know. (laughs) (laughs) So as we're wrapping up here, uh, I definitely want to talk some honorable mentions. We obviously won't go into as much detail as our top fives, but, um, if you want to rattle off, uh your first honorable mention. I've got I've got five. And I'm sure you have more. I've got tons.
1: Um <laughs> i I'd separated them into um authors. Nice. Uh, so I'll cool. just I'll just um rattle out a couple Miller real Sounds fast. Good. Uh one eighty one last hand, which is the death of Electra, mm-hmm. and one ninety resurrection, which is the almost uh life of Electra. Um <laughs> you know we talked about last hand is is totally narrated by bullseye and is this extra large issue that has these two like action climaxes of the uh, the death of electra which is iconic and then Daredevil fighting bullseye and in um retribution and almost killing him dropping him from the the high wire that they're on really incredible yeah. and bullseye's you know totally insane narration but he's not like he he's smart, but he's obviously like pure evil and crazy. Mm-hmm. So he's not he's not like you're not like inside the mind of the Joker or something. You're just inside the mind of a terrible, terrible guy. Right. Um and then Resurrection, which is bookended by Electra climbing the icy mountain. Mm. Um and then the whole like final fight with the hand where you know Matt's trying to see if he can like resurrect Electra himself as the hand has tried to bring her back. Now he's like, Can I do it? And has this like final purification of Electra. And maybe she's alive again. Or maybe she's not. And obviously she did come back to life. But Miller was like, hey, Marvel, please don't use Electra again. And they didn't for like a decade. Yeah. Uh, which is pretty good for Marvel. Um, yeah.
0: <laughs> who who loved doing their all new, all difference every other year.
1: Yeah, bring them back. Everyone <laughs> all the time everyone's back remember so-and-so
0: i know we just killed them but six months later we gotta bring them back
1: exactly um it's like a really perfect end to the Electra saga and is um gives that character a lot of um depth and personality after the entire run because she's pretty silent and is kind of like yeah more of an object for tragedy in like the rest of the run but it really does round her out a lot and of course miller would go crazy with her more with like Electra Assassin yes. and Daredevil Love and War and Electra Lives Again and all that and her in big role in um, in uh, Man Without Fear but yeah those yes. are my Miller picks
0: yeah nice yeah I I have one pick that involves Miller but it's not him writing it's him on art uh, I've got uh, Daredevil Volume One One Sixty Three Blind Alley uh, written by Roger McKenzie with art by Frank Miller this is very simply elevator pitch Daredevil versus the Hulk uh, essentially. <laughs> Uh, Hulk shows up Bruce Banner's like this is also during the time where the Hulk doesn't know that he and Bruce Banner are the same person and um, he comes to New York and he's trying to like figure out what's going on and you know Daredevil's trying to help him Uh, Bruce tries to get out of New York by using the subway which is just the worst idea Um, and he becomes the Hulk and they have this fight and it's something that I think is uh, really interesting for Frank Miller you know, as an artist, because it's a long-winded superhero clash during daylight. And it's it's so fun and dynamic, and you get to see how much... Uh, daredevil is willing to sacrifice to save bystanders like hulk is just like tossing him from pillar to post all over this neighborhood and he is able to like save people while he's getting thrashed around it's such a fun like nice team up book and it's a great uh peek into uh, Daredevil and what his community means to him. So that's that is my one Frank Miller entry on my honorable mentions.
1: That's a great issue. It's very much done in the style of Daredevil versus Namor, which yes. is like Daredevil. Oh gosh, is that five or fifteen? I forget exactly. Yeah. something around I th- there. I think it's five. Okay, which is <laughs> Daredevil totally out of his out of his depth.
0: <laughs> totally.
1: Yeah, which is fun. Which <laughs> is fun to see. Yeah,
0: those, those um, are some of the best stories.
1: Yes. Um, another runner up for me is daredevil 220 which is fog by Ooh, denny o'neill nice. and david Mazzucchelli yes which is um I, as we alluded to i was talking about um it's the death of heather glenn which is a very put upon character poor heather um <laughs> yeah. and in this um you know it's one night and this massive fog has settled into manhattan um and Heather, you know, who was Daredevil's fiance after being coerced into being it during Miller's run, which is oh, very disturbing. Um, yeah, it is gross. It's like, what the hell's going on here? And then they, they <laughs> shuffle it off, and like Miller was probably like, "I'm sorry, guys." Um, and uh, you know, she's like desperate for Matt to come, and comes over, and she's drunk, and he's like, he because he thinks like her life was in danger, and then someone else gets killed because he ignores them because he goes to see Heather instead because he thinks. She's in danger, and he like, so angry with her, leaves. Yeah. And then she dies, and he's, like, on this rampage to try and find out, like, who killed her. He find out she committed suicide. And, like, he just has this, like, crushing weight at the end. He opens up the doors and opens up the windows uh, where, of where he is, and Foggy's like, what are you doing? He's, like, letting the fog in. He's like, why? Why?" He's like, it just feels right. And, like, <laughs> there's that quote of, uh, is it Aristotle like you know I, I will die and you will live and mm-hmm. you know which of us will really be in a better better place only god will know yeah and it's like it's like oh my god
0: like that that is that is prime edgelord matt murdoch like yeah yeah just let the fog in it feels right
1: turn off all the lights in my room and i'm gonna listen to some evanescence right now <laughs> yes
0: <laughs> absolutely <laughs> Um, another one that I will I will give out because I mean honestly the rest of these are gonna be Wade stuff. Um, th- this was on my list initially, but uh, Daredevil twenty six Underboss Part One, uh, Bendis and Malev. What a great just kickoff to the Bendis Malev like run. Just um, starts off with the uh, the systematic murder of the kingpin. Uh, by this new character Mr. Silk uh, who I just I don't know if he I don't off the top of my head I can't think of him being used uh, after the Bendis run I mean rightfully so because Bendis yeah but
1: (laughs) he's definitely not coming back after the Bendis run
0: yeah but he's he's such a dynamic character right out the gate and I really I dig like his whole like you ever uh are you good on your history? Do you know about Caesar? And like kingpin's just like, "No, why?" And I'm like, "Okay. First off, he should know. Second off, what is up? Like what what education did you get and how did you miss this clear sign like and all of the people are like stabbing him and stuff? So, just a great way to kick off the story and then uh, Matt Murdoch is giving this great speech, you know, putting on a real show for his trial. And then um, I think it's, is it Nitro that like shows up outside of the court? And like. The guy that blew up the. Um, uh, uh, Stanford. Star of Civil War. Yeah,
1: Star of Civil yeah. War.
0: Yeah. And this was, I mean, this is another classic issue of just like Matt Murdoch being a little out of his depth with someone, with a meta human, but he just absolutely tears into the sky and he just like it's really cool just watching him um it sets the tone for the bendis run where it's like we are just going to keep moving and you are gonna have to catch up to us and but it's not in a way that's like that forces you that pushes you away from the book it keeps you like rolling with okay what's happening now where are these characters what's going on so uh, just a great way to kick off that run
1: yeah yeah for sure um and yeah, it's picking up with um Kingpin is blind from that mm-hmm. uh, from the echo um, the echo story by right. um, David Mack uh, which renders him even more vulnerable but then when Kingpin comes back yes at the, the first half climax of Bendis' run he, he he's seeing again cuz Bendis yeah. was like okay we need to I need to shuffle this I I need to not have this going on anymore. Yeah. Like Kingpin needs to see so they can fight. But it, it, he's more vulnerable. He's definitely more vulnerable at the start of that run, which leads to uh, Silk's um, coup and uh, the whole... Because, yeah, taking Kingpin out for that run, and which also leads through most of Brubaker's run, is like really effective. Absolutely. The, um, the whole power structure of, of Hell's Kitchen is suddenly thrown into di- to disarray, yeah. which leads to some very interesting developments.
0: For sure. And then also I have... Um... Oh, what is the... Let me pull up, I didn't write that one down. But it's basically uh, the end of Bendis's run with the character. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Murdoch Papers? Yes, Murdoch Papers Part 3, I want to say. It's 81 slash 461, whatever it is, but it's the conclusion of the Murdoch Papers. Basically, Kingpin's like, hey, FBI, I want all of my stuff just purged, and I will give you... Un- unrefutable proof that matt murdoch is daredevil and like this entire time like he's enlisted the help of um of black widow and Elektra to like get him off and get him you know out of this situation the uh issue starts off with like the trial and this great little fake out where he just busts out of there and like goes on this like extended sequence which when you're reading it for the first time you're like is this really where they're going with this um including this incredible bullseye just again like right how the reverence that bendis seems to have for bullseye as a character is really impressive and it's on display here as well and just like the big twist at the end the fake out where it's just like okay now we now we are going to show you what's gonna happen next in this Baker run that's coming. Um and I love the uh the twist with uh Fisk and the FBI as well at the end. It's just it's so perfect.
1: Yeah, which sets up an honorable mention for me, which is I don't know if I have a specific issue, but the whole Devil in Cell Block D mm-hmm. opening arc from Brew Baker and I really like all of Brew Baker's run a lot. It's been a little while since I've read it. I Same. need to reread it. Um I don't know if I'm going to get to a video on him or not this season. Uh, it just depends on how other topics shake out. But that opening arc is amazing. You know, Daredevil in prison, surrounded by his worst enemies, and then the Punisher turning himself in to like bust him <laughs> out. He was like the literally keep just
0: worse. so he can have an excuse to get in there and just wreak yeah. he havoc.
1: He's like the surrenders, and it's just like it's that's such a great story. Um, it's again like for a character that's been in comics for, you know, decades, like that's like a fresh story, like for Daredevil sure. behind bars and like put in, in that situation, trying to still not like prove himself to be Daredevil because there's still this like <laughs> doubt, you know, there's, you of know, um, it's it's crazy. And, and that Daredevil, that Brubaker Daredevil run really goes places too. Um, and it gets darker and there's some stuff that happens that, again, like, Brubaker trying to like work with what he's been the hand he's been dealt by Bendis,
0: yeah.
1: Um, leads to some interesting stuff. Um, poor Mila is all I have to oh, say. Oh, Mila, oh um, man, but yeah, but um, I also really like uh, to shout out like Decalogue, uh, from Bendis's run. I think mm. it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, that gets really weird at the end, yeah, really weird, but <laughs> but the whole like the daredevil support group with all their stories of their interactions with daredevil. Yeah. Really interesting. I That's love a, stories like that. Yeah. Just yeah. in general, like when I'm it comes or a to like... sort of take a bit, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, those are some of my brew Baker and Bendis. Um, if I can go again,
0: no, oh, please do. Cause the rest of mine are just wades. So
1: <laughs> I'll do the non-wade stuff. I'll go through the non-wade stuff. Um, I just wanted to shout out really quickly, Daredevil Yellow. Uh, yes. Unfortunately, oh um,
0: I didn't really want to highlight Loeb because of everything that had kind of come to light. Yeah, that that was one of the reasons because he was going to be, or issue two of this at least, was going to be on my list and then I was like, ah, Jeff Loeb. Right, which was like, oh
1: man, like that's, a, it, again it's a, just a bummer, like everything that happened with him, like, and you know, I'm not here to like take a guy down, but I don't really want to, like, draw a big spotlight. Absolutely. The guy that, like, has (laughs) that is this, like, oh my gosh, I don't really want to excuse the stuff that he's said. Yeah. Um, But issue, I wanted to call it specifically, you were saying issue two, but I want to call it issue one and and issue six. Mm -hmm. um, Because issue one has one of my favorite quotes from Daredevil, which is, uh, the measure of a man is not in how he gets knocked down to the mat. It is in how he gets up. And that's with, you know, Battle and Jack, like, winning uh, the championship and then um issue six at the very end let me scroll to that i got it pulled up on my laptop um as we cut back to the present because all of the um all the lobe and sail colors uh series for marvel are done you know in this flashback of someone sort of grieving the loss of someone they love mm-hmm. and at the end it says uh you know he's so after matt has recalled his time of falling in love with with karen page and this is all done after um kevin smith's uh run which i'm not a huge fan of you know
0: yeah fair um,
1: i think it's aged really poorly <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> i get that it was super popular and like that whole run kicked off marvel nights which saved marvel basically yeah um but it doesn't really work well now for many reasons. I'm talking like not just like super heavy dialogue, but I'm talking like giving a character AIDS possibly just to torture yeah. them and murdering them and, you know, throwing a baby off a roof. And all that yeah, sort of stuff. I was going
0: to say the baby bit <laughs> always gets me.
1: <laughs> yeah. But at the end of this, you know, Matt's kind of found some solace. And he says, do you know how some people say I see when they mean I understand? It's like I can see now. A blind man who can see, Karen, is a rare thing, like you were. Um Yeah, and it's just like he goes on and says, yeah. and since we never know what is going to happen tomorrow, I wouldn't trade all my yesterdays for the time we had together. I miss you, Karen, and I will always love you. It's great. Ugh. It's it makes yeah. me emotional. It's it's so good. And again, like this is like peak lobe, like it's so it's so good. But just wanted to shout. That out, you For know, sure. because it's a you know, even with everything that came to light with the way he was tra- <laughs> rather racist statements that he made, really unfortunate. I, <laughs> it's a real bummer, and I really hate that, especially given someone in power
0: that like is in charge of like, you know, absolutely. Like, as like, you know, f- hearing about all the like stuff that he did, like, as an Asian American, I was like, my blood was boiling, and I was like, oh, I'm just, oh. And it's it's frustrating because there are so many things I love that he's created. And it's like, yeah, there is that argument of like disassociating the creator from the creation. But it's like, for me, it's it, it's a, for me and a lot of people, I'm sure, it's, it's a very rough gray area that's hard to navigate.
1: Yeah, it's like, especially for someone that's still alive and still has power, you know, yes. I, I don't really find it comfortable to like, Continue to show support and like push more people toward the work of someone that has that power that obviously has a lot of these, is doing terrible things and has these terrible outlooks. So absolutely, yeah. um, but yellow is still great, um, especially yeah, like those Absolutely issues. is, um, and then I wanted to shout out several innocent issues.
0: Yes, please do.
1: So two sixty three uh, in bitterness, not far from death, is absolute insanity. This is the Inferno <laughs> crossover uh, of okay. X-Men, where demons have taken over New York, and Matt fights a, a demon train. Yeah. You know, he's been beat to hell by um, by Typhoid Mary, and then now the demons have taken over New York, and they're, they possess people, and they possess objects, mm-hmm. and he fights um, Oh God, let me find it. He fights a train that's been possessed by a demon, and it has all these people in it, and it's going to take them down to hell, and so yeah, the
0: the art on this is stunning.
1: Like, this it's... is great, John Romita Jr. art. It's really wild. It's fire and hell everywhere. <laughs> and and I, well, the first time I read it, I was like, "What the hell just happened?" <laughs> and the second time I read it, I thought, "What the hell just happened?" But this rules. Um, <laughs> so he fights this giant demon train. And, like, summons a godlike Billy Club to destroy it. So the red man's club grows bigger, and he remembers something else Stick told him about getting bigger. Bigger than oneself. Not God, but like God. Trust it. Take aim, and it will find its way. And he destroys the demon train and saves all these souls. But then, like, Karen's run away because she's found out about Typhoid Mary. She runs out of Daredevil Comics for for the next, like, 30 years. Yeah
0: literally runs out of the book
1: and you're like did she get taken to hell did she get like took on drugs again like did she get like eaten by demons i have no idea (laughs) everyone in this freaking comic runs out of the comic and they're never seen from again and you don't know what the hell happened typhoid mary like at the end of this arc like is suddenly like flirting with demons and might be a demon and you don't know what happens and she she's gone and karen runs away and foggy's gone and matt runs out of new york and kingpin's gone and he goes on this weird like trip through like you know rural new york and i don't there's some sort of like pita you know message and then he's fighting mephisto and then he's fighting blackheart and blackheart gets introduced in these daredevil comics and you're like what the hell's happening and suddenly like the that that's over and then he's fighting ultron and i don't know what the hell's going on and and it's really weird but i like it a lot Um, (laughs) um but i also want to shout out 266 which is a beer with the devil which is another mm. Christmas issue, which is Matt goes to a bar to drink his sorrows away while in the aftermath of Inferno. And he's still kind of bandaged up and he is tempted by a Mephisto who appears yes. to him as an attractive woman. And he makes out with the devil.
0: Like I mean, Matt he, did, Murdoch, he did appear to Matt Murdock's one weakness. Women? Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, like, this was inspired by an actual Christmas that Nocenti spent in New York where she, there was no one with, around that she knew and no family, no friends. So she spent it at the local dive bar. Oh. And um, it's really good, but it's really weird again. And Mephisto, like, unveils himself and is, like, kind of, like, makes it his commitment to, like, destroy this good man. Um, yeah. Although even Matt's not that good, like, in this run. Like, right. He cheats on Karen with Typhoid Mary and... Generally, kind of a bad dude, but yeah, it's very interesting. It's also sure. weird. And then another Nocenti is 276, which is the Hundred Heads of Ultron, oh. which is the the uh, acts of uh, is it Acts of Vengeance? The Acts of Vengeance crossover where Dr. Doom repairs an Ultron and sends him after Daredevil. Yeah. Um, and the in, a few inhumans also mm-hmm. come around. And it's this glitchy, like like incomplete Ultron that Matt beheads with a stick. <laughs> and there's like a hundred other heads on this mound and he's fighting it. And again, you're like, what the hell is happening in this comic? But it, it's kind of great. Um, and that's so much of the mis- sentence, right? I don't yeah, know.
0: And, and I mean the daredevil, Dr. Doom feud is so nonsensical, but I love every single bit of like, whenever they happen to see each other and they're like, Oh, I hate, I, I hate you so much. Yeah.
1: Like, it's so, so strange, very strange. And I couldn't bring any to, I like those Nocenti issues and there's a lot of great stuff in it and there's a lot of bad stuff in it, but it's a really compelling, interesting, unique run. Yeah. But I couldn't bring myself to put any of them in the top five because I'm like, so much of this is like flawed, but in an interesting Mm. way that it's just like interesting stuff. You know, if you've read like the big runs, you should go and read Nocenti's run. Absolutely. Yeah. Still being collected in these epic editions. Not done yet. So you you know, but you can find a lot online, but it's mm. very strange.
0: Um it let's is. talk let's talk about Wade. Okay. I've got so I've got three. I've got three out of my five are all Wade's. Um first one I think we can both agree on, uh Daredevil number seven. Yes. Untitled, uh Wade and Rivera. This is the one that won the Eisner. This is basically um Daredevil is on a field trip with these blind kids during a snowstorm. The bus crashes, and they have to make their way back to civilization. Is the blind leading the blind. And it is so simple and so, like, just on paper. It sounds so dumb, but it is so compelling. Watching Matt trying to manage these kids. Like, it is... It's just wonderful. There's a real, like... We've always talked about, I mean... Daredevil in himself, just as a character, all of his stories, regardless of the creator, is a story about the triumph of the human spirit. And really just distilled down to that is this issue. Like. Daredevil is trying to like wrangle these kids this entire time. One kid like shoves a kid, and he's like, I didn't shove him. <laughs> And, like, at the end, like, Daredevil just collapses because he is injured. He is bleeding out into the snow. He collapsed from exhaustion. And the kids, like, realize, like, oh, like, we need to come together, as he's been, like, saying this whole time. And they do. And they end up getting him, you know, to safety so that they can all survive. And it's just a wonderful story. It's really simple. The art is beautiful. The, the writing is just, just really... Um, what is the word? Efficient. Efficient writing that is, that never overstays its welcome. It's just a wonderful issue. Ah, oh, so perfect. Oh. And uh, I was thinking about
1: the line, he's trying to encourage them, you know, to run, to get through the yeah. snow. He says, uh, Because when you reach out, when you extend, when you extend yourself for other people, that's when you're without fear. And he's, oh. he's turning, he's changing to his Daredevil costume. Yeah,
0: because the kids can't see him.
1: Kids can't see him. He gives them his bits of clothes, everything he can, um, trying to, like, keep them encouraged, trying to be brave, you know, even though he's worried. And we're talking about these varying levels of how, you know, how perceptive Matt is rendered from um, creator to creator. And here, like, his, like, blindness is, like, really, like, shown, you know. He's in the middle of a snowstorm in a place that he doesn't know, you know, leading blind kids, like, trying to find, you know, anywhere and, like, just, I guess we'll go in this direction and see what happens. Like it's great. And it's, um, it's just tense enough, but it's, it's very inspiring. And it's also the first appearance of Kirsten. Yes. Um, with the flashback to the, uh, the, I'm not daredevil party.
0: Yes. The, I'm not daredevil party. This, this has the iconic, I'm not daredevil red sweatshirt that, uh, at, at, at some point we shall both own, um, (laughs) It's just, it's, it's one of those things that, again, this is during the time when Matt is like, is he Daredevil? Is he not Daredevil? We're all just gonna wink and nod at each other until someone go until someone, you know, gives up the ghost. And it's like, it's so fun. Once again, like, Wade just knows how to tell a compelling as hell Daredevil story without having to bog it down with super heavy darkness.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you want me to name one of my weights? Go ahead, please. Uh, Mine is uh, Daredevil uh, 27, which we talked about, which is the fight against Bullseye. Yes. Um, You know, it's this climax of the sort of running thread of the first two years of Daredevil. And, um, you know, you've got Matt versus uh, Lady Bullseye and Ikari, and Bullseye is in this, you know iron maiden looking sort of like casket thing to keep him alive and um it's just really satisfying like yeah. they really know how to like pull off a satisfying climax to their 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 arcs and to indulge in like the action mm-hmm. and um this is with somni and yeah i'm trying i didn't reread it specifically for this but i just wanted to shout that out because you know, it was such a satisfying run to read along with as it was coming out um, because no matter, like, where it went, you felt like you were going to have a good time and you were going to really be able to trust these creators with where they were going. For sure. Um, and at the end, Matt kind of, There's this toxic sludge. There's toxic waste <laughs> yeah. uh, that they're on top of. And, you know, Bullseye falls... his sort of container falls into this toxic radiation and it gets into his eyes and it blinds him so now he's completely without any senses mm-hmm. um which is very dark it's like yes. he's basically you know entombed in his own body you sort of there's a question of like did you let that happen like mm-hmm. did Daredevil like just wait a second longer to let that happen to him yeah and maybe he did and can you blame him? Yeah, maybe yeah. he deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, very. It's a very interesting way to close that out. And and Bullseye uh, doesn't come back for the rest of Wade's run. He's he's gone. Um, and obviously he's he's back. Yeah, I, I forget exactly when he comes back, but mm-hmm. he comes back. Um, but he's he's gone. You know, for the rest of it, because Wade is very sparing with those like classic daredevil villains. He's not yeah. just like. Bullseye again, Bullseye again, Bullseye again. Kingpin, Kingpin, Kingpin. Like, like he introduces a lot of like new characters, new villains, and some like oddballs in there too. Like you know
0: him fighting uh, the Mole Man. Yes, <laughs> that was one of the, one of the most satisfying arcs. Just reading that because it, I actually have um, my uh, my next honorable mention uh, issue number twenty two. So, which, I, which doesn't have a title, so I just call it Superior Team-Up. Um, oh, yes. This is the issue where he teams up with Spider-Man, except it's the Superior Spider-Man. The, the Superior Spider-Man is, like, one of, if not my favorite, Spider-Man runs, and I'm always really delighted whenever I see Superior Spider-Man pop up in a run. Like, I'm re... I'm... Uh, I'm reading through uh, Hickman's Avengers, like, all the way through for the first time, leading up to Secret Wars. And I just, I don't know why, I just forgot that during that run, he was the Superior Spider-Man. And so just seeing him, like, run around and pal around with the Avengers, I'm like, oh yeah, that's right! And so, like, it it's a fun twist on the normal uh, Daredevil Spider-Man team-up, also featuring our boy Stiltman. And it ends with this wonderful cliffhanger where uh, Foggy, like, is saying, like, like the entire issue, he's, like, trying to get Matt's attention. He's, like, calling him and stuff. And at the end, like, they're having this conversation. He's, like, I, I need to, like, I need to tell you. I've, I, I've, like, I got some tests. And Matt's, like, what are you talking about? He's, like, it's cancer. And then it just, like, cuts. And that's the end of the issue.
1: Yeah. Kind of hit, hits, like, a sledgehammer right there. Yes. Yeah, just a lot of fun with Stilt Man. Which you're always going
0: to have fun with Stilt Man. Always. Always. Unless you're the denizens of Hell's Kitchen during uh, Chip Zdarsky's run, then he is absolutely terrifying. <laughs> yeah, I was also
1: thinking about the uh, Miller issue Stilts where Turk Barrett gets the Stilt Man <laughs> costume, yes. which is pretty great. Um, my uh, final, I'm not sure if you have any more. I have i have one more, Wade. Okay. Mine is the final issue. Same. Okay. Which is uh, Daredevil volume, was it, is this five, four? Wait, one, two, three, four. Four. Yes. It would be four. Uh, Daredevil volume four, number 18, which is the finale of Wade's run, which is where it all comes together, where um, Matt has had to go to the kingpin to try and uh, sort out this, like, all the everything that he's been targeted by, and Kirsten and Foggy have been targeted in San Francisco, and he's forced to go to Kingpin, uh, who hasn't been in this entire freaking yeah. run, until he finally shows up uh at the end of like, is it, when is it? When does he finally show up? Is it at the he end was, of
0: sixteen? Fi- yeah, I think it's is at 16? the end of fifteen or sixteen. Okay,
1: and then you realize that Kingpin is now is targeting him, and has brought. Uh, ikari on board to fight him and it all climaxes with him trying to save foggy and kirsten from the kingpin and ikari yeah. um and ikari is killed and then he's trying to take over his identity try and do it and it's just this really like tense climax of this fight between them and trying to resolve everything that's happened and there's a lot of loose threads that we don't have to get into but um that fight between the two of them is so good. It's so good. It's pretty short, but it's really brutal and it's really satisfying. Um, and then, uh, it ends with Matt about to come out to the press again.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and sort of a, an inversion of his press conference in Bendis's run Mm -hmm. where he goes out and he denies, denies, denies that he's daredevil. Um, to all the press that are, that are sitting there, you know, watching him and that sends him on that whole spiral. And this is the opposite. Yeah. And you get the realization that he's going to come out and like admit everything.
0: Um, And before he does, there's this great like conversation he has with foggy where like he's, he's basically just like telling him like, all the terrible... Because, of course, because it's Matt Murdock, he has to overthink. And, like, right before this press conference, he's like, oh, yeah, terrible stuff could happen here. Like, and he's, you know, coming through with all of this doubt. Um, but he's having an argument with two lawyers, two of the best lawyers that he knows in the room. And, you know, Foggy's like, the horse is out of the barn. And, like, he's, like... You know it's the 21st century no one gets to hide safely behind a mask anymore and he's basically just saying you know like you you don't need all of these secrets you don't keep these secrets to shield us you don't you keep them to shield you because you're afraid of getting hurt and all this stuff and he said that's totally okay but he says that um here when you were a kid you got blinded just trying to help an old man across the street that wasn't fair Ever since then, you've devoted your life to balancing those scales. And it's this great, like, uh, recontextualization I don't even know if that's a whole word. Recontextualization of everything that Matt has done, from his very first appearance all the way up to here. And he says, uh, you get up every morning and you fight in an unjust universe because you think you can make a dent. That is exactly the level of arrogance Kirsten and I will always trust to protect us. And Matt and Foggy's journey across the entire Wade Samney run is incredible I I have never felt they were as close as they are here when they have that like they have that hug and like Foggy you know is in rem- I don't know if he's in remission at this point or he's yeah and then you know they reassure him and they let him know like we're gonna be with you 100% until the next run um but like they get ready to step him out. And I, I was going to quote the end, but I, I believe that you can do, feel free to do the honors.
1: Yeah. It says, uh, my name is Matt Murdoch. I'm a fighter. I'm a lawyer. And I am a friend of inconsistent quality and boy, am I loved go figure whether I mean to or not. I tend to keep to the shadows. I always have. I also make a lot of bad decisions. Perhaps those two things aren't wholly unrelated. I can see that now, that the light is nothing to be afraid of. Not really. I mean, I may not have eyes, but for the love of God, I'm not blind. The end.
0: Perfect. Yeah, with him. Perfect Daredevil ending.
1: Yeah, and him, you see him about, he's coming into the light for the press conference. And then he's at the final splash page, he's jumping out as Daredevil again. It's like,
0: everything's going to be okay. Yeah. And again,
1: end it. That's the end yeah. Of- yeah.
0: Ended right there. That's the end of Daredevil. It's only the, uh, it's basically born again. Then it's Wade and Samny, And then there was never another Daredevil
1: story. <laughs> <laughs> Even though obviously with Zdarsky, there's plenty of great stuff
0: still. Oh yeah. Absolutely.
1: But, you know, that's the thing about being an ongoing, you know, publication for Marvel is you're all, if you're a popular character, you're constantly going to have stuff going on and you'll have perfect endings and then the series will continue and maybe they'll undo the perfect endings or able to just do other stuff and you know, things will keep going and then you'll have more good stuff and you'll have some bad stuff and it'll never really end. But
0: sometimes you can pretend that it ends. Yeah. And and thankfully there's enough good stuff that we could talk for hours about single issues that were just incredible and meant so much to us. Um, We've gone long once again. Once again, we always plan not to, but we always do somehow, inevitably. <laughs> but um, I want to thank Matt once again for coming on and talking Daredevil. This has been such a blast, man.
1: Yes, absolutely. Thank you for having me on. This was great.
0: Absolutely. And I'll, as I'll we talk about
1: Daredevil every week, have yes. me on again.
0: We'll go we'll go again. We'll go we'll go again every single week for the next, you know, month. <laughs> <laughs> but as we uh as we talked about earlier this is, you know, kind of a uh a little primer, a little, you know, a little side story, a little one-shot uh giving alms to the greater Dare Sember event that uh Matt is putting on on YouTube. Uh the first Dare Sember you can go check out right now on YouTube and when this goes up, I'm not sure depending on uh, release schedules, either the first episode will be coming out or is already out for December Summer of this year. So um, Matt, if people want to connect with you, where would they where would you like them to find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on YouTube. I'm just Matt Draper on YouTube. So if you type that in, I'll probably be right up at the top. I'll be the guy that talks about um, comic books and horror movies too much. and then I'm on <laughs> Twitter under uh, Matt Draper YT for YouTube. And uh, there, I also talk about comic books and horror too much, and then I also um, uh, become really, really annoying about my political opinions there too. You know, so if you know, <laughs> not for everyone.
0: I, I I think that's I mean, comics, horror, and politics have been pretty much you know the last couple months. So <laughs> I think that's fair.
1: <laughs> really tapped into the zeitgeist.
0: Really, really, really tapped into. You know, y- you've got your your finger on the pulse. For, uh, for for our viewers here.
1: For better or worse. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And right now, we are reviewing episode number six of season two of The Mandalorian, entitled Chapter 14, The Tragedy. And I think this is my favorite episode now. Um, Honestly, like, it's so weird because there was... um, Such a huge push for last week's episode, The Jedi, as, like, the greatest episode of the show. And as we discussed last week, I, like, I get it. I get where people are coming from, but I didn't feel the same, and I felt really weird after recording it and talking to people who loved that episode. And I was like, maybe I'm missing something. But then I watched this week's episode, and I'm like, nope, this is the best episode. Like, it's it's so good good um and honestly it's really interesting because this is a shortened episode all of the episodes of season two so far have been right around like 45 minutes to an hour and this was the first one that came in just uh I think just over half an hour and kind of harken back to the, um, plotting and narrative of the first season, which was all half hour episodes with some exceptions, I think one or two exceptions. But, um, yeah, I really, really dug this episode because even though there was a shorter runtime, the quality of the storytelling in that shortened runtime was off the charts. Um, this kind of continues on from last episode's, uh, new quest where uh mando and grogu went to a planet to essentially like put the call out to find other jedi to potentially take grogu and train him and uh this episode featured a full-on uh return of two separate characters from Star Wars. Uh, first off, Ming-Na Wen's character. I believe her name was Fennec. She was the assassin from the Gunslinger episode of last season. And Ming-Na Wen is incredible. I have always been a huge fan of her, and seeing her back for this was fantastic. And this also brought us back Boba Fett. We saw the tease of him uh, in at the end of the first episode of this season, and we kind of retroactively uh now know that he was the one who rescued fennec at the end of the uh of that episode in season one so he's been putzing around on tatooine for a little while now and honestly it was just super cool seeing old boba fett you know just being super badass um he's got like this club that just looks like it just does so much damage it's like literally tearing pieces off of stormtrooper armor but um yeah, the entire episode is basically based around this siege on the hillside. Honestly, this episode should have been called The Siege. The, the episode that was called The Siege just makes no sense for the reason it was called that. But... um Basically, uh, Mando has been tracked, not just by Boba Fett and Fennec, but also by the remnants of the Empire, who send just swarms of stormtroopers up this hill. And while Grogu is connected to the seeing, you know, Wi-Fi rock, uh, Mando, Fennec, and Boba have to basically defend him the entire time. And so cool honestly just the entire episode was so well done i loved the action you know pitting them against just a legion of stormtroopers was great um and this episode was fantastic because it delivered on the promise of the premise you know the the initial uh season premiere of this episode of this season rather was basically like oh at some point boba fett's gonna want his armor back because um you know mando got the armor from um oh what was his name from the first from the first episode Cobb vanth he got the first uh he got the armor from cob vanth and we saw him at the end of the episodes so we were like okay he is looking for that armor and they are going to run into each other at some point and the moment that they, you know, kind of get separated, they're kind of pinned down and Boba sees, you know, Mano's ship, and he's like, okay, you see this look in his eyes, um, you knew what was going to happen, even after, you know, they blew up the ship and everything, which came later, uh, but just Tamura Morrison, just stepping out with the Boba Fett armor was just incredible I loved every second of that just the badass shot of him just standing there and you know he's aged he's a little heavier you know than Boba Fett was in the original trilogy but just oh my god so well done the hypest moment for me this entire season like I said I enjoyed Ahsoka from last episode but Boba Fett getting his armor back was just oh so great um but Even after running off the uh, Stormtroopers, we got to see Dark Troopers. I got all kinds of, like, just um, Vietnam flashbacks from fighting similar characters or... Similar enemies in uh, Jedi Fallen Order. I'm like, oh, they are uh, they're they're screwed here. And the Dark Troopers do end up uh, abducting Grogu while also blowing up the Razor's Crest. And I'm gonna say, um, I found out the same day that I watched this episode that my car. I, I talked about it a little bit uh, at the end of last week's episode. I was in a car accident on Thanksgiving, and I had just found out. Uh, just prior to watching the episode that my car was totaled and it was like unsalvageable so that hit me really hard Uh, so I was uh, very emotional for this more so than I probably should have been but so they blow up his ship they scoop up Grogu uh, the Empire has possession of him now and now it's time to build a team Uh, which seems like it's going to be essentially like greatest hits from season 1 of characters that people liked. We saw that the first person he's going to try and recruit is Bill Burr. Um so that's exciting. And uh I loved the um the justification that they gave for Boba Fett and Fennec like sticking around to help out Mando. Uh that he basically said, you know, in return for my armor, I promise you, you know, safe passage of you and your companion. And he's like, well, you have your armor you know you can go and he's like no i promised you that for my armor it would be safe passage for you and your companion and until he's safe i'm indebted to you so i just the honor the honor among thieves there was just fantastic i really really dug that um and honestly this episode was probably the most like season one um it had that kind of feel that grounded um more uh intimate feel than like last week's episode where they real or really i mean i guess this entire season where they've been just kind of going for bombast and big spectacle so i really dug this episode i cannot wait for the final two uh sounds like we're gonna get a heist possibly more jedi i don't know what the hell is gonna happen but i cannot wait to see next week's episode so tune in next week for that we'll be heading into the um pretty much the uh the home stretch for this season it it goes so quickly um but i've been enjoying the ride so far so i cannot wait to check that episode out and talk about it with all of you but for now we're gonna roll right on into this week's comics countdown Ooh, welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, on Comicsology or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geeksplain pick of the week of last week. And there were a lot of contenders last week. Um, I think that's obvious just with how many books came out, and they were all ahead heavy hitters. Um, Just so much good comics last week, boys and girls. Um, And honestly, there was one book that I kept like coming back to every time that I was reading a new issue. Um, And it's not the book that I thought it was going to be because I, you know, I talked about it last week. It's a big bombastic event. Um, I thought for sure King and Black number one was going to be the book, but every single book that I read in my stack, I kept coming back to this one book, and the pick ended up being funny enough. And I didn't even mean to do this. Daredevil number twenty-five, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Marco Ciccetto. just such a good freaking book, guys. Like I, I talked about how I was a little disappointed by the week before with uh, daredevil number 24 it was probably the weakest uh zadarsky daredevil book that i had read so far but this one came back swinging with a with a a few great character moments and a awesome paradigm shift for not just the character but his supporting cast um just a great way to take this character who has been through so much and kind of shift focus of him and really kind of set you up for where the character is going from here forward. Just a great book all around. I cannot stress enough how good this Zdarsky Daredevil run is. It's so freaking great. Um, but that was last week's book. Let's talk about this week's. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six books for you this week. So not quite as much as last week, but uh, we've got some gems in here for sure. So we're going to kick things off with... Tales from the Dark Multiverse Flashpoint. This is written and uh, illustrated by Brian Hitch and uh, this is pretty much as we know the Tales from the Dark Multiverse series but I was really interested in this one when they announced it because there were so many different directions that Flashpoint can go. Um, Flashpoint I I think is even though it is a fantastic story it is one of the most overhyped comic stories of all time Um, so I'm interested to see how they would twist and turn that so let's go ahead and dive into end the synopsis here. Spinning out of the events of a world where a single choice by the Flash affected the entire DC universe. Find out what would have happened if Barry Allen had not put things right. In a world where the Flashpoint reality was never undone, where Thomas Wayne still haunts Gotham City as the Batman and the Amazonian and Atlantean armies still prepare for war. Will the Reverse Flash embrace this darker, deadlier world and finally eclipse Barry Allen's legacy? So, yeah, I'm really interested in this. I think the world of Flashpoint is so much more interesting than people, like, kind of boil it down to, because when people think Flashpoint, they're like, ah, Flashpoint Batman, and that's, like, all it is. And as good as that is, like, the world of Flashpoint was so the reason that that book works so well is because the world around that character was so, um, interesting. And so I'm interested to see what they do with this and how they work in Eobard Thawne into the story. So this might be one of my most anticipated tales of the dark multiverse books for sure. Next up, we have Marauders number 16 written by Jerry Duggan, uh, with art by Stefano Caselli. Uh, I still haven't caught up on Ten of Swords. I know I need to. I really need to because if I'm going to understand anything going forward, I need to catch up on that. So I will get caught up. But um, I side note, I love this cover. I just – I really do. Um, Kate and Emma just absolutely bodying Sebastian Shaw. Just – it looks fantastic. But um, like I said, Marauders has been – For me, one of the strongest books, if not the strongest book out of the current Hickman era. Uh, And I can't wait to see what they do for this next. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Red Revenge. The Black King did wrong. Now he must pay. Short and sweet, to the point. I cannot wait to see this uh, Red and White Queen revenge tour. It's going to be fantastic. Next up, we have Batman black and white. Number one, this is the revival of the, um, of the iconic, uh, anthology series. This has a bunch of creators on it. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna forego listing the creators on here because the synopsis, it looks like has all the creators and the stories that they're involved in. So let's just go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The iconic anthology series returns with a brand new slate of comics most exciting and innovative storytellers to explore the Batman mythos in stock black and white. In this debut issue, James Tynan IV and Trad Moore explore the world of Ra's al Ghul and the League of Assassins. J.H. Williams III returns to DC Comics for a trip through the Dark Knight's history. Emma Rios explores the eternal struggle of the Dark Knight. Paul Dini and Andy Kubert pit Batman against an infestation of Ninja Man bats in the Batcave. G. Willow Wilson and Greg Smallwood portray Batman and his strangest standoff ever with Killer Croc. With a lineup this strong and a cover by legendary Batman artist Greg Capullo, you won't want to miss the start of this tremendous collection of Batman tales by some of comics' top creators. So yeah, uh, that's an all-star lineup. I'm especially interested in the G Willow Wilson and Greg Smallwood team. Um, I just I I like stuff like this. I enjoy anthology books, and I know they're a gimmick, and I know that Batman Black and White has been done before, but I'm I like this series, and I'm hoping that this. Is, lives up to the previous incarnation next up we have strange academy number six written by scotty young with art by umberto ramos i i really enjoy this book it's one of my favorite marvel books that's going right now um and i think that says something because marvel is doing really well with its books in general Um, So, I've been enjoying this. It's a fun story that took a sharp left turn uh, last issue, so I cannot wait to see what they do with this next. So, let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Battle in the Bayou. What happens when the students of Strange Academy face the ancient evil order called the Hollow in the swamps of New Orleans? nothing good that's for sure the students have stepped too far out of their element now what price must they pay So I like stories like this where you take, you know, young up-and-coming characters and throw them into a situation that they are woefully ill-equipped for. So I'm really excited to pick this book up. It's been a fantastic series, and I can't wait to see what they do next. Next up, we have American Vampire, 1976, number three. This is written by Scott Snyder with art by uh, Raphael Albuquerque it's good it's really 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 good this is the culmination of the whole series of the whole american vampire series so if you have read the entire series and you are um picking up on all of the little beats here and there throughout the last two issues um i think there's gonna be you know i think that's gonna kind of be the uh status quo for the rest of this uh mini series i really enjoy american vampire i'm excited to see where they're going so let's dive into the synopsis here Two subterranean showdowns escalate. Thousands of miles apart, rogue American vampires and the last remnants of the VMS chase the only known leads against the Beast's looming plans for world domination. As Skinner's crew fight for their lives aboard the runway Freedom Train and the tongue-infested tunnels of the Southwest, Cal and Travis scavenge the tracks below Times Square for traces of the Beast's terrifying challenger but when they get too close to the monster for comfort, they're blindsided by the mother of all unexpected twists. So I do like how they've got, like, the main cast kind of separated, having uh, Cal and Travis, like I said last time I covered this book, I love the combination of Cal and Travis. It's such a great combo that I'm surprised that they had never done before, and it's working so well here. And having, basically, our main crew going you know up again basically doing a greatest hits throughout the uh throughout the series is so fun and i can't wait to pick this book up but the big book of the week for me the book i think you should absolutely be picking up is dark knight's death metal the last stories of the dc universe number one um i know it's another death metal uh tie-in but just look at this cover, guys. Like, it's got our original Titans. It's got them front and center on on the cover. I'm really excited for this. Uh, this is written by Scott Snyder, Gail Simone, Jeff Lemire, Mark Wade, Joshua Williamson, James the IV, Cecil Castellucci, Christopher Sabella, Mariko Tamaki, with art by Francis Manipal. Like, that is a winning combination. You can't not, like... It's so good. So, um, we're almost there. We're almost to the end of Death Metal. We're almost here to Future State. It's just a few weeks away. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The last stories of the DC Universe. The last battle against the Batman Who Laughs is at hand. The final fight for everything in the universe. And while the night is usually darkest just before the dawn, what would be the last thing you'd do if you weren't sure the dawn would ever arrive? Join our heroes in their waning hours as we show their journeys through what could be their final moments. Heroes that have fought a million times before, but are keenly aware this could be their end game. These are the stolen moments detailing the last stories of the DC Universe. So, yeah, this is kind of like a stopgap. This is a night before, you know, everything changes. This is probably the last, like, big, like, this is how the world is before everything happens. Um, Yeah, this is a giant-sized death metal tie-in and i'm excited for it i know that death metal has been you know hit or miss mostly miss for people uh, myself included but i am really looking forward to this book in particular all of the tie-ins that are coming up i'm actually really excited about and this kicks off that whole uh series so that does it for this week's comics countdown to recap we have tales from the dark multiverse flashpoint Marauders number 16, Batman Black and White number 1, Strange Academy number 6, American Vampire 1976 number 3, and Dark Knight's Death Metal The Last Stories of the DC Universe. And that is going to bring us to the wrap up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geek Explained podcast and you like what we do here, please feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice. Subscriptions really do help us out, uh, just kind of raises our stock in the podcasting sphere and the podcasting stratosphere and gets us into the orbit of listeners just like you. Also, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Geek Pod. That's at Geek P o d so feel free to follow us if you want to keep up to date on all the happenings of the podcast i do polls i communicate with you guys i also talk about different collaborations that we do like the uh praise patrol collab that we did with uh, several other youtubers on youtube you can check that out uh just go on youtube type in praise patrol everyone on there is awesome it was put together by cole from critical rants who is amazing um also, uh, feel free to give us a rating and review. Definitely helps out the podcast. Just, again, gets our stock raised even more and helps uh, any kind of uh, feedback is welcome. This is a podcast by a geek for geeks. So I love getting to talk to you guys. I love getting to um, just discuss all the things that we talk about both on the podcast and in the greater uh pop culture world and if you give us a five star rating and review on apple podcasts itunes whatever you want to call it i will read your review right here on the podcast you can write whatever you want you give me that five star rating and review i will read it here and you can join the likes of cfire nd josh from panels to pixels and matt draper so hats off to them for their ratings and reviews also if you want to be part of our Geek explained mailbag you have a question for me you want want to get my opinion on something maybe a quick pitch you can send any and all emails to geeksplain at gmail.com with the subject line mailbag and i will answer them also here on the podcast i love getting to talk to you guys you guys like Uh, Just starting these conversations is the whole reason I started the podcast in the first place. So getting to do quick pitches or getting my opinion and recommendations is always something I like to share. So uh, feel free to do that if you want to engage with me. Once again, send emails to geeksplain at gmail.com with the subject line mailbag, and I will read them out on here. Uh, Also, I really want to say if you made it all the way this far in the podcast thank you for listening i know i am super stuffed up you could probably tell uh my allergies have been crazy in la it's been super weird like the uh the weather's been all over the place my allergies have been just destroying me on a day-to-day basis so thank you for uh suffering through this with me i appreciate it um it's the uh you know, the gift and the curse of doing a weekly podcast where you got to put out content even when you're uh, feeling a little under the weather. So um, once again, as always, I appreciate you. You are amazing. And uh, big thanks again to Matt Draper for uh, contributing to this and last week's episodes of the podcast. Matt is an incredible uh, comic book video essayist. If you go on YouTube, look up his stuff. uh, He's amazing. His all of his videos are fantastic. In fact, you know, getting to watch his videos helped the direction of this podcast when it was still in its early days. So, being able to collaborate with him, Talk Daredevil had it was such a joy and I'm I'm grateful that he continues to show up on this podcast, despite me, uh, not paying him to do so and not giving him any incentive besides a four hour conversation. (laughs) So, uh, make sure you definitely check him out. His dare summer series is continuing all the way through the month of December. Um, it's a fantastic series it's the most wonderful time of the year so make sure you subscribe to his channel keep up with him on that the dare summer series he's got lined up for this year is just as fantastic as last year if not even more so so uh but as for the podcast uh this is it for this week tune in next week for our final Geek Explained spotlight of the year—it's kind of crazy. It feels like you know the most of this year has gone by so slow, and then um, all of a sudden, kind of in like September, it just kicked into overdrive, and we're in December already, and there's only three weeks left in the year. So uh, next week, I'm very happy to announce that we will doing we will be doing a explained spotlight on one of my favorite comics of all time, that being Superman for all seasons. I love this book so much, I cannot wait to talk about it with you. So tune in next week for that same geek time, same geek channel. But for now, for Geek Splane, this is Eric Azana. Thank you very much for listening. Stay safe, and we will see you next time.